So you, those little short clips that I see on like your YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that like from a podcast or is that you you're just recording? So I have, a, I have an agency that helps me do them. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Uh, me, me and one of my employees who makes some of my videos, we try to make some of the short clips ourselves. Okay. The, the kind of you see on Instagram and everything. Yeah. And man, they're hard. It's like making a whole YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to figure out what to put in there, tell a whole story in like a little thing. So we hired an agency to do it and they make a video for us every day. And what they mainly do is pull from my long form video. However, oh, a lot of them lately have been like, I have an idea about like uh, what kind of water I drink. I don't know, whatever. Uh-huh. And I'll record a quick thing at this desk like this. Uh, I'll pretend I'm talking to someone, but there's no one in that seat. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because a lot of times people in the comments, like on, on my Instagram comments are like, hey, where's the full podcast? I want to watch it. I'm like, that, that, that's, that's <laughs> the whole sense. thing. Yeah, there's no one on the other that's side awesome. talking to. <laughs> Hey, have, uh, you, have you noticed that with your clips that it's like, it, do you make specific clips or anything? No. So what I do is um, I have a podcast where I coach. So I have a membership site for, so I teach storytelling mm-hmm. and we have about a thousand members there. And every Sunday I go on Zoom and I teach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have three video editors. They, they, they chop that up. Mm-hmm. I also teach on um, Mondays. And also have a podcast so like my videos just editors take that and they edit like 20 videos a week wow and i just post them all over the place yeah, yeah i think the way to do it is you make a lot of long form content yeah and then you turn it out into a short form i think if you only make short form like you'll go crazy because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's too it's hard too much yeah. you have to do the, all the setup and everything yeah. for like one thing so a lot of times what i do i have a file like of shorts that i think of and i i try to do them off the top of my head not reading them and so i'll be i'll make a couple of topics and then I'll just talk about them right here. Oh, okay. So you like freely kind of naturally talk yeah, about Yeah, and send them it. to the editor. Yeah. And I just I do one take and just, I, like if I mess up, I just redo it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you on TikTok? I am. I don't know if I'm the demographic for it. Okay. Uh, I think I have like 3,000-ish followers or something. Okay. Which was starting from zero a few months ago. It was good. But I don't think I get a lot of views on there. No. Yeah, I noticed that like the for short form content, the type of short form that does well on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube are diff- like It's different. YouTube, like, you know, the ones that you post where mm-hmm. those actually do well on YouTube. But Instagram, I feel like people like more beautiful visual like mm-hmm. things. And then TikTok, the ones that works the best on TikTok is when I'm just with my phone, like naturally just speaking to the phone, like without any editing or anything like that. Like, yeah, it's it's like I feel like with social media content, you got to make content that's native to the platform. Yeah, so, for yeah, example, yeah. you post those short form clips on Twitter. They don't do anything. Yeah, like zero views. That's zero. But like, not they're usually not favored, uh-huh. right? Um, but Instagram, it's like kind of like the way you scroll stories. TikTok, it's the way you scroll stories. Yeah. Like so I haven't had a lot of success on TikTok. Um, what's your thought on like the conversion rates on those things? Um, I don't really use them to convert, like to for sales. I just use them to, I guess, nurture, just oh. <laughs> get followers and stuff. Right. Like Great way to think about it. Yeah. Actually, I don't really sell on those. So for me, what works the best is if I just get them to follow me. And then usually what I notice is that people that just followed you will watch your Instagram stories. Because mm-hmm. like they just followed you, my story will come up on the, in the front. And then I just sell on stories. Mm. So that's, that's kind of been work. But I don't really, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible <laughs> salesperson. So. Well, I mean, that's, that's probably why people like your stuff because you don't always sell. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I came up with a, a part of this company called AppSumo, and every day we sell yeah. a deal a day. And especially in the beginning, like now email marketing is pretty common, but in the beginning, 
it was a lot more rare and, yeah. and like trustworthy to give someone your email. And so every day we're supposed to send out an email that, that sold you something. Like that was the whole point. And people were always like, why do I open all your emails? And I was like, cause I get 70% content, 30% sales. And I found that, that ratio that if every email I give about 30% sales max, just cap it over there, like towards the end, people never got mad. Mm -hmm. But if I tried to sell them hard every single day, people don't like it. So I, I know you did the apps thing. That's kind of how, how you started. Copyright. With with copyright, I actually started. Uh, I had a company called House of Rave, which I, I don't even know oh, if it yeah, exists yeah, anymore. Yeah. That was my rave company, and I applied it to that. And overnight, I went from just basically like getting SEO traffic and converting to sending out emails to the existing email list, and and you just that way. How did you learn that? How did you get started on learning to do that? There's a there's an old school copywriter, kind of shady guy, a little bit called Gary Halbert, oh, and yeah, I read yeah, the, the, the Boron Halbert letters, letter, the, 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 the Boron, Boron letters, letters yeah. by Gary Halbert, chapters one through twenty five. You can read them online for free. I would highly suggest people. I, I think I learned out. that from you. Actually. Yeah, exactly. I tell everyone, <laughs> but you you get them online for free. You, I think you can buy them on Amazon, but like read it because he he talks about and the thing is. The, the content was written in the 70s, so maybe it's a little bit uh, crude for nowadays. But at the same time, what the, what you're supposed to take away is how he gets you to turn the page. So what he'll do is like end the story on something dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And he's like, turn the page to find out. And I'm like, well, I have to turn the page. Yeah. And so just learning things like that. Like cliffhangers. Yeah. yeah, cliffhangers, things like that. Um, and I, I learned a lot from that. And I was uh, simultaneously very happy and pissed off that night that I discovered that because I was like, I'm upset I did not find this out earlier because I've been selling everything wrong and I was happy because now I'm like, now I can fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so and then you applied that directly to your- I array. applied it to my own thing and yeah. had the highest revenue day ever. And I was like, whoa, something happened. So I tried it again and it, once again, I had like high revenue. And then I did it with uh, Noah's company, AppSumo, and then I kind of joined that company as well. So how do you, like, so when you talk about 70 and 30%, so let's say I'm selling like rave, like, you know, glow sticks or yeah. whatever. How do you actually tie that to something that's not sell? Like so the, the, yeah, the wrong way to sell the rave stuff is be like, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, a bunch of buy buttons. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. So that's yeah. what I originally did with my newsletters. But then he was just like, oh, Gary Halbert would teach like, you gotta, why is it important for like, the person has to internally want to, to buy something. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I sold these finger lights mm -hmm. and I would just say, these are really cool and you can bring them on the dance floor. That's what I thought. They're for like ravers going yeah. or whatever. And then the thing is, I used to pick up the phone because I was like a one man company. I used to pick up the phone and people would be like, uh, yeah, we're buying 50 packs of these for our plumbers and the plumbers can put them on their fingers and look under the sink with it. And I was like, holy shit, I never, I never would have like in a million years thought about that. And then this other woman bought it and she said she had a, a child who would like calm down by with the lights. Like, it, like he was like very hyperactive and he calmed down with the lights. Kids would check for monsters under their bed with a light, that kind of thing. People bring them camping. Oh, uh, MTV bought them for like a TV show and they put them in the, the fake guns for the aliens, mm. like prop guns. Uh, people use them for Halloween, of course. And so I remember thinking when I told people that, they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to tell people. I'm supposed to show people why if they buy this for one reason, they could actually use it year round. They could use it for camping, they use it for Halloween, they use it for uh, children's costumes, they could use it for plumbing, whatever. They could use it for everything. And when I started explaining to people the content of like how other ways you can use this, um, that's when I, it, it shifted in my mind that, oh, you gotta explain the product why it's gonna be worth their money. So how do you actually turn, so how do you turn that story Mm -hmm. into something people are like because like your email because how i found you was um through derek helper 
Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, I was Googling, like, when's the best time to do the sales meeting? And mm-hmm. one of his blog posts came up. And then I just read every one of his blog posts. And then, like, and then somehow I went down the rabbit hole and I found copywriting course with a K. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I, I saw your blog and I'm like, this blog is the ugliest blog that I've ever seen. But yeah. I couldn't stop reading it. <laughs> like, I literally read every free blog post on there. And, like, I just learned so much just from those blog posts. So how do you actually take something boring, like, so, or something on in plane mm-hmm. and make it so that like it's page flipping or like <laughs> you know? well the, the goal the goal is not to make it like page flipping yeah. necessarily the goal is to be educational so it's like how long should the copy be it's just like well uh, i mean however long it takes you to explain it and a lot of times it doesn't take that long to explain mm-hmm. it. i'm not trying to keep your attention for a long period of time i'm trying to get you to the sale so honestly if i could just show you a picture and you would buy it that's all i need got it got it example the, the the shirt you're wearing mm-hmm. it says i never thought of it that way it's upside down yeah. let's say me and you want to sell that shirt how much copy do we need do you know i never thought of it that way <laughs> the, the answer is none we don't need any i need to show a picture of the shirt you know why people know what a shirt is people know what a black t-shirt is you don't have to be like oh the it's stitched over here or whatever it's like a it's a normal shirt you don't need to explain anything you don't need their attention you just show them a picture of the shirt and be like do you want it? <laughs> that's it. Do that's you, it. Do you think? Uh, do you think that's actually a mistake that a lot of copywriters make, where they feel like they need to over oversell it or over? Dude, it? I've I've trained so many copywriters. Even with AppSumo, I had to like eventually kind of like hire more help. Uh-huh. And it's it's the hardest thing is training copywriters. They would try to like they would write three paragraphs trying to set up a joke, <laughs> because they're like, oh, but the copy should be funny. I'm like. No, who gives a shit if the copy's funny? Mm. The, the point is to sell stuff. Yeah, if it's yeah. a funny bonus, but like, don't start with that. Uh, don't try to write a long story. Don't try to be too clever. We're trying to sell things here. We're not trying to be funny. Um, so, so like, I think a lot of people sit down being like, people are gonna be amazed by this. It's like, is your goal to amaze people or is your goal to sell a thing? That's so close to like how, cause a lot of people make content to show off themselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> like show off their skills or something like that rather than... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like, a, you know how like TikTok, a lot of the most popular TikTokers are like, just like, hey, hey it's yeah. my, my phone. They have yeah. that shitty background, that green <laughs> screen and like their, the edges of their hair look all weird. The point is no one cares about like the camera quality. So there's a lot of people that are like, I'm gonna spend 12 months setting up my studio. No, I do that all the time too. I get too caught up in it. No one cares. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. That's not the thing that matters. Can it help? Sure, but it's not the thing that matters. So similarly with copy, people are like, people have to read my words and be impressed. It's like a lot of times by impressing people, you confuse people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, uh, for example, when pricing, I remember um, Sumo.com did, instead of like, you know, simple, advanced, professional, whatever, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. or like, you know, cheap, medium, the packages, et cetera. Yeah. They, they did like Bishop, Rook, Queen, <sighs> like, like a chess example. <gasps> and I remember even I was like, what the hell is what that? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so a lot of people got confused because it was like it was like a fun thing, and some people got yeah. it. But for the most part, you just revert back to like, yeah. what is simple? Are we trying to impress people with our chess knowledge, or are we trying to show people freaking pricing plans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like, don't confuse the two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's because like we see like Apple ads and things like that, and they try to be really clever, and then we want to be like when but, I. But they're not. They're not that like they're they're simple though. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Very simple. Like you understand it. That's right what away. people don't understand. They think what makes it good is the fancy language or the cleverness, not the, the actual content that, 
that they're saying or something like that. I think even when people sit down to write copy email stuff, they try to use a bigger word to show off like, hey, uh, like you don't, you don't really think about it, but you're like a bigger word makes me look smarter. Mm. In reality, it might just confuse people. Yeah. Also, I think English is not people's first language all the time. I quickly learned that out with AppSumo when it was that hundreds of thousands of emails and uh, starting to get to that level, people would be like, I would tell these jokes like hasta la vista, baby, stuff like that, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And French people would be like, what does that mean? <laughs> like they, they, don't, they don't know it or they watched that movie in a different language. Uh, so like they don't know Spanish. And I was like, oh yeah, not everyone's exactly like me. So a lot of times when you try to be too clever, you lose a lot of the audience. And here's the scary part, they don't tell you. Like people don't write back saying, I don't understand. Yeah, so they just don't read. I love what you said about like when the, you talk to a customer and they told you about the plumbing thing and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Like how much of you, because I, I, a lot of the t stuff you teach is not just copywriting. It's like literally how to <laughs> sell and market and things like that. It's like psychology almost. Yeah. yeah. So how much of it is like, do you think that people are just not listening enough to the feedback or like... Uh, look, man, I get, I get involved in that all the time. Last, sorry, this year, I will under... Sorry, 2022 and 2023, I underwent a project where I was like, I'm going to talk to all the customers on my email newsletter because I get feed, I get, I hear back from them over the computer, but I don't know who they are. Really. Yeah. You can do surveys and stuff like that, but it doesn't really give you an exact example. So I was like, I'm going to set up every Wednesday, every Friday, five calls in a row, 10 minutes a piece with random people on my newsletter. And I also put it out randomly on Twitter just to talk to people every day, just to get, just get an idea. Cause uh, we live in this little bubble. My friends are all business owners. They all know the same thing that happened on, I, I mentioned something that happened on Twitter five seconds ago, all my friends know about it. Mm -hmm. Like I clearly live in a bubble. So I was like, let me talk to my customers in general and just get everyone's stories. And so I started listening to people, asking them about copywriting course, how they found me, why they are interested. Would they ever buy my product? Why they wouldn't buy my product? All these different questions I was just personally interested in. And you get such a better picture of people when you actually talk to your customers. Then I did another thing this year where I started doing new customer interviews. So I said, if you're gonna sign up for copywriting course, I wanna watch you, like I wanna watch you do it. So before you do it, tell me, and I'll get on a call with you and just, I'm just gonna sit in silence and watch. And I watched how they used it. Every single person was just confused as shit about like the navigation part. There's so much stuff in there. And I was like, oh my God, they just cannot, they physically cannot navigate that there's tabs and sub tabs and there's a menu on the right. And they're all like, well, there's a tab for videos and a tab for courses. Are those the same thing? I'm like, mm. no, they're different. They're like, how are they different? I'm like, well, shit. That, yeah, I, I messed up. Yeah, yeah. And so I go through and like redo the navigation, those, th those types of things. So if you just talk to your customers like on the phone or on a call, it's so that, much better than like trying to guess. That reminds me of like, like my agency built the app for Columbia University Medical Center where mm -hmm. the, the, the patients have to fill out this form. And when we made it and we actually did a test like, and we just gave the iPads to people and we just watched the, how they do it. And like, none of them were doing what we thought they were gonna do. Yeah. So we just like had to change, scrap the whole thing and redo, redo the, the, the uh, UI. I know, it's like, do it nice or do it twice yeah. it is like a construction term. It's just like, watch your users do it. And like a lot of times, like, so I had like this menu in the copywriting course, like a sub menu of like sub tabs that I thought everyone would use. And even I didn't use it personally. And then when watching people, they didn't even see it. No one saw it. Everyone thought the copywriting course was one page. I was like, there's like eight other tabs. Yeah, yeah. They're like, no, I didn't see it there. And I was like, yeah. shit. <laughs> like if I just asked people in the beginning, I never would have like done this whole project to do those things. But I, I feel like that is your strength. Like I feel like so many entrepreneurs that I talk to have such an ego that they're like, no, the customer, like <laughs> they just don't know better. And they're like, no, the, my way is the right way. And they don't even wanna listen to that, right? 
Whereas in, every, I feel like everything that I've seen you do is like you do something and then you hear back and then you tweak it and like yeah that I feel like that is kind of the secret. I go through success. I go through phases where I don't do it and forget to do it and then I see someone else doing it. I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. Uh, and then I do it. So it's not like I'm always doing it. Uh, um, I also think of myself as pretty stupid. I don't think I'm like really dumb. I think my my IQ, I have not measured it, but I believe it's between 100 and 120. I'm in the, let's say the, not the, not I'm in the 50 to 75% of intelligence based on my scores in high school and college and things like that. And so I'm like, well, I'm clearly not the smartest person on the planet. Like the world has told me I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, so I have to but take that, advice on others. At, a, at such a young age, that's because it took me like 10 years of running a business and just getting stomped every day to like yeah. learn humility and <laughs> things like well, that. I remember um, my, my friend Noah said like, just absolutely just using, continuing on that example. Mm -hmm. He's like, of, of the eight, if we, we try eight tests and only one will work out of that. Mm -hmm. and, and people hear that number and they go, okay, cool, that's nice. And I'm like, but think about how crazy that is. Think about me and you, we're gonna start a project. We're mm -hmm. thinking of the business idea, it takes months, we finally get it. Then we try a test. That one test may take months of time. Then we try another test, it might take a week. And like, you're working on it day after day, after hour, and it's not working. And like, you're getting pretty dejected that uh, like this uh, thing that we're trying to do is not working. Then you do it again and again and again, it still doesn't work. Like. That's really dejecting. And then one thing works. And you're like, oh my God, yeah. thank God. And everyone looks at it from the outside. It's like, oh, like, wow, that oh. worked really well. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, but it was, that was so hard to get to. That's right? true. You That's don't, true. you don't see those, like all those failures along the way. I don't know if you call it failures, but like the attempts along the way. Yeah. Cause those are the moments when you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, am I even doing the right thing or. Like, yeah, when the, that's where m most people give up, right? Yeah, and, and like, I don't know, maybe you should give up if it's like just n not a good idea, but yeah. like, you, you never know. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's like those whole things of like, you know, back in the day, people went to San Francisco to look for gold. And like, there was a guy and he's like five feet away from the gold, but he just kept going. But then that, that same sentiment is like, there, there may have been another guy that just kept going and going and losing all his savings and there was nothing at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's difficult. <laughs> you that's, what, that's why I think just talking to people is the way to figure out if there's gold at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm, is this mm -hmm. something people want? Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you like, so you work with AppSumo and I think you work with some, some of these like tech companies and mm -hmm. uh, brands. Do you also work with like personal brands, like influencers and yeah, all the time people hire me for like consulting on Tuesdays. I do consulting days okay. and we're just like, people like call me, we have calls and stuff like that. Um, I guess I'm also a personal brand. I've become more of a personal yeah. brand recently. Um, I think a personal brand is much stronger now than it was maybe 10 years ago. I think before you would like have like all your stuff under like a copywriting course account. Yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. like under Neville. Yeah, people, yeah. Prefer, people prefer that like with their face. Yeah. And, yeah. Have you noticed that trend? Yeah, as well? yeah. Yeah. Well, I work my um, right now. All of my our clients are personal brands, so oh. we work with like Jay Shetty, Gary Bernstein, Mark Randolph. So I wanted to, because all of the clients that I work with, the one thing they do themselves, they they don't have other copywriters do, is their emails. They're all write their own emails. Have you noticed that or? Yeah, I think it's easy enough to make emails nowadays. You can write it yourself. Yeah, I write uh -huh. my own emails as well. But that's the hardest thing to outsource yeah. though. That's yeah. the hardest thing to outsource. Because it, it, that is literally your voice to the community. Even like your, like your Twitter, like I bet you've never seen someone outsource their Twitter fully. I think there are some people that do ghostwriting mm -hmm. and they could kind of like write in your voice and they'll write threads for you. But what happens is you're generally editing 
that too. It's like, I would like to write about how to make these things. And that person yeah. like says like, did you know you can make wooden, whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they, they do some of the monkey work for you. But for the most part, I think you have to kind of like be natively the one talking. Do you still like write for people? Like doing copywriting for or occasionally yeah whenever whenever they consult but it's usually for like uh processes like cold emails and stuff like that got it, got it. yeah they're, they're usually not saying hey neville can you help me write a blog yeah, post? Yeah, yeah. but in, inside our course that's what happens though that, that is what i do all day is people say how can we make this blog post better and we go and punch it up or we get on office hours and say like well what if you added like a cheat sheet at the end that kind okay of got it yeah so we do we do do that but in terms of whenever people consult with me it's usually for like sales material that i'm helping them write okay yeah so in your in your i think you have a membership right mm -hmm. so in your membership how do you when somebody brand new comes in right uh -huh. say they've never written copy before or something like that how do you even get somebody like that started like the thing is it's like you run a, a membership site too yeah where like a, a, yeah, around yeah, a thousand remember, people yeah. or something like that yeah so s similar situation it's like paid i'm assuming yeah, yeah yeah so the the problem is people come in from very different starting points this is, this is always an issue. So someone might be very advanced, someone might be completely new. So which one do you take? They're almost always not trying to be copywriters, they're actually trying to learn the skill of copywriting to apply to a business. This is what I've noticed. Got it, got it. Yeah. Almost everyone has some sort of small, medium or large business yeah. and they're trying to learn copywriting to like apply themselves, to it. Yeah. So we're not trying to like train people to be like, hey, I'm a copywriter necessarily. That's like 15% of people. Got it, got it. And so uh, whenever someone comes in, they generally have like a list of things they can train for my video training video. So if like they're there for emails or learning how to build a newsletter, they just go straight to that. It. So it's like a la carte, you can pick what you want. Got it, got it. And then you can post in the forum and then myself and writers go and like post it and edit it for you or not edit, but like punch it up, oh. say what we can do better or why it's not doing well. And then in office hours, we do the same thing, except I'm literally there doing it. Is that where you spend a lot of your time? Like Office hours is one hour a week. And then yes, inside of our forum, I spend like an hour uh -huh. or two a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that's kind of like your selling point. That's what people are there for. That's right? a like, lot of what people, yeah, people are there to either to, to learn like from uh -huh. courses and stuff. But like, let's be honest, like you can learn a lot of copywriting from uh -huh. like YouTube, Instagram, uh -huh. et cetera, for free, right? Or books or whatever. Uh, but then a lot of it's to like interact and say like, hey, what do you think of this? And so if you think about it for like an email, let's say someone's sending out a cold email and this is for like a B2B company mm -hmm. where each contract is hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're sending out cold emails to maybe 50 people a week or something like that, very specific clients. If I can make them get like 1% more conversion, that is worth it for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That covers their costs for the year. That's true. So <laughs> that, that's, what, that's a lot of it, what it is. And I think it's really amazing whenever like you just move the words around and the conversion goes up. Mm. Small, small aside with e cold emails, a lot of times we just almost, we make it like one sentence or one or two sentences. That's it. For they, cold emails. Yeah, like, they have cold, like, or like outreach emails just to notify, uh, cold emails specifically, the shorter the better. And so a lot of times we do less work. Instead of like what, changing this all up, we just remove everything. <laughs> and and you're, are you trying to get them to reply or? Like, what's yeah. the one sentence? Well, I, I, think, I think a lot of the stuff that people take away is like a psychological thing. So for example, when they think like, I'm gonna write this cold email, I'm gonna tell them about this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, hey, just remember, they did not ask for you to reach out. You are borderline spamming them right now. Mm -hmm. So all your, the way to think about this, for example, they think about it as like an email going to a person. I say, think of it as a notification, being like ex a tap on the shoulder. Excuse me, do you want this? Yes or no? 
I'm not giving you all the information. I'm not giving you everything you did. I'm not telling the history of our founder. No one gives a crap right now. It's just like, are you looking to get housing, uh, roofing for 30% cheaper in your neighborhood? Yes or no? That's all. That's all I need to know, and I can take it from there. It almost seems like you're, it's, you're using it not to convert, but to qualify people. For the emails, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're using psychology to like, like what is the, what is the, I always tell this in the forum, work backwards. What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to impress them with your awesome English skills? <laughs> no? Then don't use a lot of awesome English. Are you trying to show them how good of a writer you are? Then it doesn't matter. What we're trying to do is get them on a call or get them to respond back. Yes, that's it. So if that's the goal, what's the shortest way we can do that mm. without annoying people? There was a time when, Everybody was talking about long copy, like even I think um, for sales pages. Yeah, right? uh -huh. like so. Is that you don't agree with that? Like the longer so, the better. Okay, here's here's the thing. Some things require long, but I would posit that you could probably explain almost anything like a TikTok now. Mm. Like people have shortened it down think, so much yeah. that you can learn how to cook a meal uh -huh. in like a thirty second video, a one minute video, even. And so, what I would say is. Look at the timing of when sales pages were really long. That was when people were, for the most part, it's like 2008 or something, mm -hmm. right? They're on their desktop. A lot of people are still using dial-up, believe it or not. The iPhone just came out. Most people had like Blackberries at best or uh -huh. Palm Treos or something. And you could only load up one web page at a time. It was very slow. So you couldn't switch back and forth to different web pages. Like Slack wasn't really a thing. Like it was a different yeah. era, right? So people are like, long ass copy uh -huh. works best. It's like the goal of long copy was to explain everything and meet all the objections. Mm -hmm. Now, what? so, so what, the, what the point of long copy was, you're seeing, I'm showing you a web page for the first time. I'm trying to get you sucked in and scroll, scroll, scroll and buy. Nowadays with social media, people might see 30 of your stories before they even know you have a web page. Mm -hmm. And then they might be following yeah. along your newsletter for six months before they even know you have a product. So you have a million opportunities <laughs> to contact someone. Uh, I don't need to, I don't need them to explain true. who Sun Yi is and this and that and your history and da da da. You could do that over the course of time now. So does long copy work? Sure, it can but you don't need it as much anymore. Now, a lot of people, I'm sure you see on Twitter uh, yeah. or, uh, or Instagram, they sell through stories and their checkout page is like, just like, yeah. like Apple Or pay. they sell directly on Instagram. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can you, buy it. You double click, yeah, yeah. you pay. Where was the sales page? Where's yeah, that 30 yeah, yeah. page sales page? It doesn't exist anymore. You don't need it as much anymore. Uh -huh. So at the time, the technology dictated that you needed long form. Let me guess, okay, the year is 1700, and I'm trying to sell you on something, but I don't live in your same city. How's it gonna get delivered to you? Probably in text, yeah. right? That's the only way. Horse and carriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like some, some guy I talk to gets out of a horse and carriage and talks to you and takes gold from you physically. So, so like the, the technology dictates the medium. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time when like long sales pages are always the best, it's like, well, are you giving advice from 2008? Yeah. Yeah, Is that what you're getting? Because like guess, nowadays, that's not always true. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you said about like how, how much of humans' attention span has changed over the last... 15 years, like now we literally have like attention span of a goldfish. Well, I don't think, it, so I actually disagree. I don't think our attention spans have changed. I think if you brought all the tech current technology to someone back in the 1800s, their technology, their, their attention span would drop as well. The reason mm -hmm. you're saying that is because 
20 years ago, the form of entertainment you had was like a movie. You put a movie in the VHS or DVD player and you just play it all the way through. Now it's like with a flick of a finger, you could be watching a different movie, right? So of course our attention spans are gonna be different because we have access to better things. So like I can watch TikToks, which are very compressed little movies, right? Instead of watching some long drawn ass out movie. So people are like, oh, our attention spans suck. It's like, no, we have better options. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess we have different expectation now. We're like, ah, this is boring next. Like, yeah, why, <laughs> why would I want to watch something less boring <laughs> instead of more fun? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, <laughs> this, this makes total sense <laughs> why this would happen. What else do you think, like with the shift of the technology with social media recently, in what other ways do you think copywriting has changed from, let's say, 2000s? The way I view copywriting is transferring information from my brain to your brain. So right now we could do that just by talking, by how we're moving our hands, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what technology do we have at the time? So for example, the way technology is right now is gonna change when we all have VR. When we all have VR, it's going to be a different thing. We're gonna have like a program and I could be there, whatever. But right now it's primarily like through our phones, Mm -hmm. through Instagram, through TikTok, those types of things seem to be the dominant thing at the moment. We have text, video, that that, that's the main thing, images, et cetera. So technology, the way we communicate will change with technology. How do you think our phones communicate? Like, like if I want to install Instagram on your phone, what do I do? You just go to the app, app store, store and download it. Yeah. So the way that your phone learns Instagram is it just downloads a bunch of mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. That's a form of learning. It's just computer learning. So <laughs> how, how can humans communicate with each other and transfer information? And that depends on our technology. Yeah. That's so true. So would you say, because like you... Your the whole thing is copywriting course, like you have the copy shirt, <laughs> things like that. But a lot of what you're teaching is actually communication. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just copywriting, but it can apply in like in person or yeah, like something like that. Yeah. So you're you're bringing up a, a really interesting point of like, what do I actually teach? Because a lot yeah. of people are like, well, that wasn't just copywriting. There's so much more in there. Yeah. There's pricing and psychology. I'm like, but that's hard to it's hard to say. I don't like. How would you say that? Like I, I teach mark- marketing, yeah. <laughs> but the problem is then that's very vanilla, yeah. right? That's not like really it's too a skill. Cliche, yeah. we, so for example, I had a, I have a, a minor in business in college. What the hell is business? <laughs> what does that even mean? And I remember when I, when I looked into majoring in business, I was like, what does business, like, like I don't, I don't, I really don't understand. Mm-hmm. Tell me. And what they said was, oh, business is accounting. Okay. I didn't, I didn't expect that marketing, meaning like marketing sales material. And then uh, ah, one other thing, like, but, but basically there's like three different fields that it was. And I was like, oh, that's not what I thought business was, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so when you say a, a generic word like business, I don't like that because it's too generic. It's hard to, then people ask the same question like, well, what do you teach? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So I remember the way I picked copywriting was I didn't pick it, the universe picked it. And I don't mean to sound woo woo on that. What happened was people were paying me to do it. People said, we like your emails. We think you're really good at writing copy. So we're gonna pay you to, to hire you as a copywriter. And I go, oh, the world picked me as a But once you went in, work with them, it wasn't just about- They the realize I'm doing other stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so for example, um, if you have an accountant or work with an accountant, they're not only just doing accounting for you. They're saying like, this is how you plan your life. How long do you expect to live? What age do you think that your kids are going to live to? All that kind of, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, uh. And you're like, you're not only doing accounting, uh, uh. you're doing like life planning, uh, uh. but they're not going to call themselves like a life planner, uh, uh, uh. right? So you're doing other stuff or you as an agency, I bet you do other stuff than just. Yeah. Like so same stuff. thing with us. Like we do a lot, lot when, when a, 
when somebody comes to us, they're like, oh, we want you to design your website. We call ourselves a web design agency because that's, that's what we put out. But when, when a client comes to us, the first thing they'll say is like, we love the way you make websites. And, and they'll give, me the, give us an example. I love what you did here with Mel Robbins, like how you told a story here and things like that. I'm like, okay, you, oh yeah, you want that? <laughs> like we need to do a entire brand strategy and all of these other things. We need to, do, we need to get your storytelling and all of that before we can even get there. And then they, they understand. But they, if I said I'm selling brand strategy, <laughs> Nobody would have ever hired no, me. It's too esoteric. <laughs> yeah. It's too up in the outlet. No, you're like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Brand strategy, buzzword, it can yeah. be anything. It doesn't matter. But so uh, the way I view it is copyright. Like, I, don't, I wish I could show this visual, but like, like copyright is like the foot in the door, right? If I come, I'm brand strategist. They're like, get out of the door. They shut uh, the door uh, on me. Uh. Copywriter, they're like, oh yeah, we need we need copy. But then I'm like, oh, by the way, do all this other stuff. Yeah. Or, do you think, do you think a lot of those, because like, I feel like a lot of people that do that, actually have like the negative kind of connotation or on the word copy like people don't want to call themselves a copywriter they actually prefer to call themselves a brand strategist or something like that it just know? depends like you know like so if you're going into the world of like uh, like really big company fortune 500 company they'll they're going to understand what brand strategy means right to yeah. perform a brand lift it just depends on the market that you're going after if you're going after small business owners or like kind of medium-sized small business owners like me mm. copywriter makes a little bit more sense yeah. than like brand strategist um, i would actually argue that uh, big companies don't. What I noticed is that when I started out, we were like, oh, we can do everything. We can do logo and we're all we're like full service agency. Uh -huh. right? And a lot of people do that. And what I noticed is that big companies never hire full service agency unless mm. it's like Ogilvy, right? Yeah. <laughs> IBM and Ogilvy, right? Most big, like we work with like Spotify and American Red Cross. And what they wanted was they wanted us WordPress specialist. Because mm. they already have a brand, branding team. They already have marketing team. They already have copywriters. They have all of that. Mm. They just want this specialist to come in and do this job. So what I always tell people is like, if you want to work, the only person that wants a full service agency where you want, where they give you, they want logo, menu, all of that is <laughs> like your mom and pop shop restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> like no big company is going to want all of that. Interesting. So I actually found the opposite in my in my industry. I think it just depends. Like the, the way I found it was like more people were hiring me for copywriting and then would expand based on that. That's why I said like, I didn't choose it. The yeah. world, like I love what people paid me for. I love what you said about that. So this is my tagline. I never thought of it that way. And, <laughs> and people love that tagline because at the end of all my posts, I say I never thought of it that way. And the reason why I came up with that is two years ago when I started posting on Instagram, I kept seeing this comment like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I never like I kept seeing it over and over. And then while I was talking to clients in the meetings, it what happens like, oh, I never thought of it that way. So I just made that my tagline and it's just like it took off and everybody, everyone was like, that's like the perfect tagline for you. So yeah, but you didn't pick that. Yeah, the world exactly. picked it. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. I, I actually think, you know, with my first business, like which I still have my agency, I was very control freak. And I, I, want, I was like, no, we got to do it this way. And it, it just didn't really take off, right? I mean, we, we did pretty well. But then now that I'm starting this new membership thing, I'm trying to do the, I'm, I'm just, everything I do, I'm just trying to listen to them and give them what they want rather than. So what's, I'm, I'm curious what your membership thing is. Sorry if that, I don't, uh, that's no, not no, the no. question you want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's called Night Owl Nation. And what, so I'll tell you the story. How it started was, in the beginning, I, two years ago, I started posting on Instagram these carousels. 
Like That's with, it, just two years ago? Yeah. Wow. With, with all these like... You were fast. <laughs> I, well, I, I use all the copywriting trick from you to make yeah. this <laughs> And they really started taking off. And then I got like 50,000 followers in like six months. Damn. And then I was like, oh, I can do something. And then I saw that Instagram had this feature called close friends. So you can ask your close friends in Instagram. And then when you post like an Instagram story to close friends, only your close friends can see it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to charge 50 people $5 a month mm. and add them to my close friends. And then uh, whatever I'm working, I'll show them behind the scenes or something. So people like are that. paying you like manually yeah. add them to close yeah, friends? Yeah, I, I just <laughs> added them manually. That's great. And then, I'll, and then everybody was asking like, can you teach us this and this? So I was like, okay, I'll just jump on a Zoom call on Sundays, every Sunday and do that. And then people love that. And then that turned into an actual full-on membership site and then it just like evolved like that so what do you host the membership site on circle Have yeah you heard of circle? i love circle i wish i could use circle what, what do you use uh we use a thing called envision community so it's a it's a forum software oh, heavily okay. modified and the, so the reason is i i'm down for simplicity the reason i went this route and have to use a developer and all that kind of stuff is because we have to post like 20 pages sometimes like a sales mm-hmm, page you can't mm-hmm, post mm-hmm. on circle comments yeah. have you can't have embedded tables and all that kind of stuff so that's why we had to do that so when people submit those, like they're writing, right? For uh-huh. your review and stuff yeah. like that. What are the most common mistakes that you think people make? It depends if it's like a blog post, all that. But if you're just asking a generalized question, I'd say one, they don't have a strong call to action at the end. Like, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. What is the point? And I think if you always start with like, what's the point of this? It makes it so much easier. Because what happens is people start writing and they're like, oh, I need three more paragraphs here. And I'm like, well, what's the goal? Is it just to get the person to respond yes? Because in that case, you got one sentence, mm. respond yes if you're interested. I'll hit you back with more. I feel you. like for me, that happens a lot because I, I don't have just one thing that I want them to do. Like, uh, if you're this, I want you to do this. If you're this, like, I feel like yeah, I, I want them things. to do too yeah. many things. But, that, but then what happens is when you want them to do too many things, they do nothing. Yeah. Because now you like, you give them an assignment. I always tell them like, help them don't give them an assignment mm-hmm. so don't make me read 10 goddamn rules that like i have to like go through and sift through and fit if then then this or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have time for that just like respond yes it's like okay that <laughs> like what's the one thing so i always tell people like you get one thing what do you want them to do like it, it's it's hard because you have to and really a lot of people actually probably don't can't tell you no. that right away they're like well if they already bought it then they should do this yeah. this is That's like well, it. yeah <laughs> And look, I think there's some place for that. Like if you're sending out a weekly newsletter, you can have multiple links and stuff. I'm not like, mm-hmm. I can't, you can only have one link. But I just say the best way to get them to do something is to have one to thing. One, yeah. So let's narrow it down if we can. And almost every time they figure it out. That's kind of like a rule, right? In copywriting. You, you, know, what it, you know what it comes down to a lot of times, especially for like salespeople? It's just like they want to get them on the phone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, now we know the thing that yeah. you want them to do. It's like, well, no, but they also download a PDF. I'm like, are you sending them the PDF in order for them to get the phone number? Like, what What if we just get them on the phone? The, the From just talking to you, the kind of pattern I see is like, a lot of what you do is not trying to convince somebody to buy, but trying to find the one who wants that stuff. Well, that's the best one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is what people actually, because I feel like a lot of people try to convince somebody to change their mind, mm-hmm. that they almost forget that 
the person who would have bought now you confuse the hell out of them. Well, who would you rather sell? Try to sell an iPhone to the guy that's like lining up for the new iPhone 15 that's outside the store with his money in his hand. Like, exactly. a, like that's the you don't have to do anything. You just yeah. be like, I'll just take the money and get yeah. the iPhone. Or the guy, or the person that has like an old BlackBerry still, yeah, 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 and you're like yeah, really yeah, trying to convince yeah. them why to buy a new phone. Yeah, yeah. It's like, do you want the uphill battle or the like? There's the person that's willing to do it right now. Like, I'd rather just go for that person. I'm not trying to make my life harder. So, how much of like so when you actually work with a client, like what do you what what's like the thing that you do with a client to figure out that thing? Like most, <laughs> most of the time, the person calling me for consulting, like they already have something they're selling, and maybe it's an upcoming launch or something, and they almost like want my blessing. Like, what do you think of this? And the cool thing is, I come in with fresh eyes. Like, I don't look at the stuff beforehand. I read it like a new person, and I read it like I don't care, because you're paying me to care, but I don't care. I, I'm paying, you're paying me to Actually, say, that's more helpful for them yeah. when you don't care. <laughs> yeah, when you don't care because you're just like, you're scrolling, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you're on the toilet, you know, that kind of thing. Like yeah. that, that is how people are, are browsing. Yeah. Like, they're not like, what is Sun saying? They're just like, oh, he showed up on my Instagram. But you know? that's so obvious. But I feel like when consultants come in, they're so eager to be yes men and they're so, they're so eager to be like, oh, your product is amazing that they're not really being realistic. Yeah, like, I think the good part is most people when they hire me, like uh, they kind of made me know my style already and that's right. why they're hiring me. Uh. So I'm just like, I'm not here to like pretend like I care. I'm here to pretend like act like a normal user. Mm -hmm. That's the benefit. In fact, if I review your stuff too much, I'm unaffected it now. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, my own website, I told you how like unnavigable it was. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, but I, I talk about simplicity every day, yet my own stuff is complex because yeah. I see it every day. I think it's simple in my head. So when I watch someone do it for the first time, this person has no experience, but they are a more valuable teacher to me than myself That's because true. they're coming in with fresh eyes and they're like, courses and media, isn't that the same thing? Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, I never... I never thought of it that uh. way. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. And so that's what, that, so I think when I come in, I come with fresh eyes and say, look, no one cares about your stuff this much. If it's confusing, they just leave. Mm -hmm. So let's figure out where I am confused and where other people are confused and simplify it. And how often is it like, because you said a lot of times they just want your blessing. Uh -huh. <laughs> how often is it like you, you, you barely have to do anything? Like oh, I love, I, I love that. And I almost feel bad when, there's, when someone's so good I tell them, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you to change things just to change yeah. things. Like, I'm going to tell you, like, you, it's so good. I don't have a lot of changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they always appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to make you make changes just because. However, if I say, like, sometimes I have a headline and I'm like, I look at the headline. I'm like, I literally don't understand. And there's a picture of, like, a smiling person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you sell? Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> I, I don't get it. You're like, hope for the future. And you're like, sell B2B <laughs> software. What, do, what is this? Like, I don't get it. So a lot of times I'll tell them, I'm like, what if you just tell them, like, we make accounting easier for people mm -hmm. with accounting agencies, whatever. Like, I was like, got it. Those types of things. It's like, it's almost like stating the obvious. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I make this obvious? And whenever I scroll someone's site and I totally understand everything and I get to the bottom and click the button, I'm like, you passed. You did it. There's, there's nothing to change here. Maybe yeah. we can make some things better by adding some social proof, maybe some testimonials, but I'm not going to make them change anything if it's, yeah. if it's just good. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like copywriters or consultants feel like the way they can provide value is by doing more. <laughs> so This is why I don't like writing with large groups. I always tell people if we're going to do a training, let's keep it to like two or three people mm -hmm. at most. Because once you start, uh, I've been in these Zoom calls, there's like 19 people on the mm -hmm. call, their whole marketing team there. Everyone's like, you know, 
I once heard, and then they start talking about some dumb story to make themselves <laughs> feel like they participate on the call, and it just it just becomes a big piece of crap that uh, that isn't good. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you encounter this uh, all the time uh, with uh, agencies. Uh, uh, Everyone's got some input, uh, trying to make them feel valuable. And I'll tell people on calls, I'll be like, "Hey, listen." I know everyone wants to participate and feel valued here. Mm. I would value that if you have nothing to say, that that's fine. It is okay to not say anything. In fact, if you think everything's good, just give us a thumbs up. That's great. You don't you don't need to like add your uh, feedback. We don't need that here. Yeah, we've once spent an hour meeting talking about whether it's just say sign in or log in. Oh my God. <laughs> that's so funny. I so I go through the same thing about subject lines. I was talking to this unnamed big insurance company they had like 400 people on some email list or something like that it wasn't even that many people no one's reading these emails uh, yeah, anyway yeah. <laughs> like their open rate was nothing we spent like the whole hour trying to talk about what the subject line was because everyone's like but i heard the subject line is really what makes i'm like no one gives a shit about hearing from your insurance company mm -hmm. they bought your insurance two years ago like the, you're not sending them anything yeah. interesting this notification of like hey is, is not interesting that's almost similar to how hooks are right now with like like TikTok hooks and mm -hmm. Instagram. Like I feel like so many people like pay all to all their attention to the hook and not the content. <laughs> but, but you know, I think I have a theory on why this is because because the same thing happens with with subject lines in copywriting with emails. People pay so much attention to the subject line, like, but your sender reputation is who you think. Mm -hmm. So I always tell: imagine that your mom is sending you an email. In the, it, she has a bad subject line. You're still going to open it because it's your mom, right? Like you, you want so to the hear. from at the from name that's is important. way more important than yeah, the actual stuff. Exactly. Rather, I never thought of it that way. That's the most <laughs> important, right? Because if it's from like travels and that's just something over time, you build that exactly reputation. But see, that that's like boring advice that no one's. They yeah, just no want to know that yeah, you put this magic email. <laughs> yeah. So so they they focus on it, and I think the other side is creators like us are partially to blame. Because the thing is, that's a really good story. Uh -huh. If you use this email subject line, you get 100% open rate. That's a good story to uh -huh. tell. It's not true, but it's a better story to tell. Than, uh -huh. Like, focus on your subject line. And so then people start thinking, like, I need to focus only uh -huh. on the subject line. It's like, what if you just send really awesome stuff every week? Yeah. yeah like, Th then they would the look base. forward. Yeah, yeah they, they would look forward to it. So that's why, like, with subject lines, I'm like, uh, split testing and stuff. Most people don't need to do that. They don't even have the size or volume to do it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is people are, like, talk about split testing subject lines. I'm like, try this. Try what's So you, there's an A-B split test. You test headline yeah. A, headline B. Try this. Do an A-A split test. Test subject line A versus subject line A. The same one. And what, what? you'll find, you'll get different results every time. So do an A-B testing, but with the same exact. Yeah, so it's not really A-B yeah. testing. You're testing the same thing. But what the funny thing is, the, the numbers will be different. Uh, one will have like 26%, one will have 22 And you'll be like, if that was an A-B test, you'll be okay, like, okay. see, we got more because of yeah, that one. Yeah, but yeah. you try it. And the thing is, it's just the vagaries of like where that email's going. Maybe it's a busy weekend. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. The, Sometimes like it takes a couple 48 hours or a week to, for someone yeah. to open an email. So it's like, it just depends on all those little dumb things. And you're just focused on like the subject line did it. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm, I'm sure that there is some validity to like a really bad subject line versus a really good one. But at the same time, it's like, for the most part, if it's relevant to the email, like it's like open. the what, whatever they say, like correlation is not causation. causation. Yeah, yeah, it's like that thing. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's like ice cream, uh, like more sales of ice cream in the summer or something. Yeah, like, yeah it's like what's causing it is because like people like ice cream more, though it's just hot outside and there's mm -hmm. more ice cream places open. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. So speaking of like copywriters and like how the copywriters have this <laughs> rules and things like that, 
like what do you think of what's going on with kind of the ethics of a lot of the people that i work with they sell courses mm -hmm. um you know masterminds and all of that and i think there are there are obviously like the good ones mm -hmm. but 90 percent of the ones that i see out there are very like manipulative i, don't, I feel like they're not ethical like mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that right like um if if somebody's like oh their, their copy is perfect i'm not gonna tell them to change anything right mm -hmm. but i feel like there's not enough of that um like so what do you think of people using copywriting to like manipulate people to buying like yeah uh well so the way i handle that is i just distance myself from it from the from the beginning there's all these like weird supplements and shit like that i've been hired to work on these types of things before and i've had to decline clients too because they're making these claims that are like this, this might cure cancer they're not saying yeah. it cures cancer but they're kind of implying that it is i'm like dude that you know what you're doing here. And I don't think they see it in their head that way. So I try to distance myself mm -hmm. from it. And here's the thing, it's always gonna happen. I, I, there's, there's gonna be no solution for this, <laughs> right? Because I think a lot of those people truly believe it too. Mm -hmm. I've talked to those yeah, people, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. I used it yeah. and I beat whatever X, Y, Z. I'm like, but is this random powder you took mm -hmm. the reason? Is that a clinical test? Like your one analogy? Okay. Would you also sell this product to make your living? Like, come I on. guess in terms of the clients, so you just avoid them. What about like, because, okay, I see the content that you put out and the stuff you teach for free and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're amazing. Like every single one of your blog is like worth more than like an entire copywriting course. <laughs> Thanks. So, but you must see these people out there. They're selling $2,000 copywriting course. And then it's, it's just like the standard. It's not really, they spent two weeks just like putting it together. But the way they sell it, it's like, oh, this is this is what's gonna make you make you know six yeah. figures, you know, like how much per month and things like that. And it must bother you that those those people are just like, you know, doing so successful. Well, they say they are. That's true. That's true. They say they are. <laughs> they're incentivized to say they are because if they say like, oh, I'm doing real bad, you don't want to buy from them, right? That's true. Yeah, they're extremely incentivized to say they insinuate. I've met a lot of those people, and the reason that I, one, it's always going to happen. It will continue with whatever form of technology. Some bullshit are out there. Um, but here's the thing: the way I avoid it is, are they actually walking the walk, or they're just talking it, right? Mm -hmm. So they're always like, copywriting is the best way to make money. I see yeah, a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Become a copywriter, you make ten thousand yeah. dollars a day doing nothing. It's the yeah. easiest thing in the world. You work one hour a day, just let GPT three do it, whatever. <laughs> you, you see all sorts of stuff like that, right? Um, the way to know that they're bullshitting is, it's like you just don't see them writing anything. Like, mm -hmm. are they actually writing and making this money, or they're making true. all their money selling to the course? What are the credentials? Those types of things. So that's the kind of the way that I know how. Yeah. I also have been hired by a lot of these people uh, and see the actual numbers. So you've numbers. seen how the sausage is made. <laughs> yeah, the direct response world, this whole world of people that are kind of like, I don't know, quasi-ethical, like they're not, it's not illegal, but it's also not like cool. Like I wouldn't want to like be associated with that. And I, I, I remember there's this one woman who was selling these YouTube courses. And I was at some mastermind with her one time. And she was saying she was making half a million dollars a year from YouTube. In reality, she was spending more than $475,000 a like year on the, ads. <laughs> on the ads and all her team and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, wait, so I'm no genius of math, but you're yeah. making $25,000 a year. Um, but but she's, she's making it like I earned $500,000 yeah. from uh, YouTube. The way she was implying it was that she's making $500,000 yeah. a year in her pocket. Yeah. And it's just like, well, that to me is a little dishonest. And like, 
I, I'm sure she was, that probably gets more clicks and stuff like that. But in the long run, I'm not sure how well that works yeah. out. I mean, I think that dishonesty in, in the end bites you as the consumer gets smarter, has more tools and has more options. I guess kind of, we're still kind of in the new new days of this like social media and this because like i do see it does bother me when i see content that i mean i don't know if you noticed this like the best content that i see usually doesn't perform as well as like some really mediocre content like when i go on youtube even instagram and things like that like the person like the person that i really really respect and i can learn a lot from mm -hmm. they don't have as big of a following Mm -hmm. as somebody who's just you know saying the mediocre cliche <laughs> well advice, you know right? okay okay so do you remember ty lopez yeah hey i'm here in my car uh, with the here in my garage <laughs> is he a scammer everyone always asked me that because he taught he, he was always talking about copywriting and knowledge and stuff like that or there's that andrew tate guy and he was talking about copyright oh. there's that uh dan Locke. I'm sure yeah, you must yeah, see yeah, that the yeah, Asian, yeah. he's like the Asian Donald Trump. So what Trump. do you think of them? So here, here's here's my thought of them. Uh, I, I don't have a hard, I think they're good, I think they're bad. I think there's a spectrum of how people are. On one hand, Ty Lopez could be considered a scammer because I thought a lot of the stuff he said was generic and stuff like that. So he's a scammer. I would posit this. I would say maybe we are not the target market for Ty Lopez, okay? Maybe there's a 14-year-old boy that doesn't have a dad and he lives in Ohio and his mom sucks and he doesn't have a father figure. And for the first time, there's this guy showing a Lamborghini and a bunch of books in a garage. And he gets that kid to, maybe he makes him fork over 69 bucks uh, for his course. Sure, he gets his 69 bucks for, for a month of his course or whatever. But maybe he makes that boy for the first time pick up a book. Now, you know, I don't know. Is that a scam? I don't know. I think it's a gray area. I'm kind of like wishy-washy. Maybe there's a percentage yeah. of the scam. Maybe there's a percentage that it was good yeah. for him. Maybe he picked up a book and goes, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And then he reads some other books that then change the trajectory of his life. So I'm not sure that I would necessarily call the guy a scammer. Would I think that some of his marketing is like a little kind of yeah. cringy? Maybe yes. At the same time, do you think there was some good done in the world? Potentially. I think and so. And also I think... As long as it's not illegal, I don't think it's a scam, right? Like uh, morality, that that's that's I guess arguable, right? Whether it's but but it's it's a, it's hard for uh, me to like claim morality for like I live in Austin in a nice house, I got a studio over here, we're hanging out, all my <laughs> friends have businesses and stuff. Like you know, like what, what's morality? Who am I to judge what morality uh -huh. is? Whereas this kid grows up in a trailer park or something like that, mm -hmm. and any sort of like instilling knowledge in himself is going to make his life from here to there mm -hmm. right for us it's like yeah i know i'm supposed to read a book i got yeah. tons of books uh -huh. like i've been reading since i was like four uh -huh. right so uh so those types of things are like who's to judge that and so that's why like i don't have a hard stance on some of these people being like total scammers but at the same time it's just like do they use aggressive marketing yeah. yes i'd say they do yeah i guess that's that's what i would say to me it's it feels a little bit predatory like um and I guess where I would draw the line is, you know, like I don't have a problem with like a hundred dollar course, a twenty dollar book. Like, mm -hmm. okay, let's say it didn't like it didn't help ninety percent of people because ninety percent of people didn't even finish reading the book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's, it's not a problem. But I think when somebody promises you the a six figure, <laughs> you know, life for two thousand dollar, three thousand dollar, fifteen thousand dollar programs, and and like they know that like eighty ninety percent of them actually don't get there mm -hmm. that to me feels a little bit predatory i agree like, yeah 
Yeah, I agree. I think I think there's also like different levels of products some of those people sell. I'm not maybe familiar with all of them, uh-huh. but I have seen products where it's just like $10,000. And I, I know of stories where they have call centers with very aggressive yeah. people uh-huh. that call like these old ladies. And they're like, well, I mean, if you just yeah. do this, you'll you'll pay for your retirement pretty easy. You just yeah, put yeah, a yeah, Shopify yeah. store. Oh, you don't know how to yeah, do it. Yeah. We'll do it for you for an extra 10 grand. And they take out credit card loans. Yeah, I, I think there's a definition yeah. of like predatory, like a, yeah, a product yeah, yeah. that like totally will not work. Yeah, I, I have I have no problem with that. Like I was in the mastermind that was fifteen thousand dollars a couple years ago, and I don't I don't I didn't really learn anything from there. But I met this one person mm-hmm. who became like a really close friend, and you know she she like really helped me with my business, and you know she actually introduced me to a lot of people, and it like it changed my business. So that was worth it. <laughs> well, here's here's a cool thing. Back in the you know you know have you ever looked at like old ads like Reddit such vintage ads? Or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. You see these old like mail order ads. It's like grow your own like pet monkey, whatever, like all sorts of stuff. They say all sorts of all crazy stuff. You send it in, you get back a really crappy product. The thing is back then you couldn't just Google things. Mm. Now I could say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like Google Sun Yi or whatever and uh, see like, uh, is he full of shit? Uh, Sun Yi scam, is that Neville Medora scam? Yeah. Like does he suck, whatever. And find reviews of people who say that he does suck or doesn't suck, yeah. right? So I think you have more tools now to figure that stuff out. Cause if you notice like those types of things have faded as much as they were like in the early 90s you saw those pages that were like make a million dollars a day and the whole thing never said how but like you have to like figure out uh, now you can just be like is this stupid and then people uh, are like yeah look at uh, the product. Yeah. it sucks so time will tell like, yeah so will will scammers adapt to those things of course so will spammers adapt to those things of course but at the same time we have more tools now to see if it sucks yeah. uh, for example whenever i go on amazon and buy a product i just look at the reviews if it has ten thousand five star reviews i'm like close enough it's good uh, yeah. like every, everyone can't be wrong right it's hard for that that's many people true. to be wrong that's true yeah all right let me see if uh let me go through the questions yeah no worries yeah, this is fun <laughs> okay i'm sure you you got these questions a million times so i'll ask anyway what do you think is and i'm sure i, I think i know the answer but i want to just confirm yeah. what do you think is a secret to copy that converts does it ask people to do the right thing like the thing that you want does it get them to do the one thing? Are you trying to just get them on the phone? Does it get them on the phone? Then it works. The one thing. The one thing. Does it get them to subscribe to the email? Yeah. Uh-huh. And what's the best way to do that? Sometimes it's the simplest way. Sometimes maybe no copy at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a before and after image mm-hmm. and sign up. I also love what you said about how how social media has changed the copyright. Because like you were right. Like when I asked my audience, like half of my audience didn't even know that I had a membership. Yeah. So obviously I wasn't communicating (laughs) properly. So yeah, I I love what you said about that. There's multiple touch points now versus back in the day you had one chance. And so you Uh have to be very aggressive to get that sale. Now I can touch someone 70 times over email, social media, going on your podcast, like all that kind of stuff. What would you say, this is not part of the question, but what would you say to people? Because I know so many people who are like so concerned about growing social media, but they're not like building a mailing list or they're sending emails. Like, what would you say to them? And that was my biggest regret. I started one of the first financial blogs online called nevblog.com. I just updated it sparsely, but it used to be like shared all my money. And back in the day, I thought having an email list was dumb. Now, now looking back, it's <laughs> stupid, right? I was like, what an idiot. I could have had hundreds of thousands of emails from people that followed me back then. And I was like, nah, they'll just come to my blog. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is, that shifted. All of a sudden, now there's too many blogs. Now there's feeds. So now we just mm-hmm. watch the feed. So the email list became far more important. And I think not building an email list, you're basically, uh, my friend Sam Parr always says this. He's like, building 
a business on social media is like having rent in a place where the rent doubles every 18 months. So right now you have a hundred thousand ish Instagram followers and you get, let's say a thousand views on a post. I'm just an example. Yeah. In 18 months, there's gonna be more people on Instagram yeah. and maybe you only get 500 yeah. views, maybe 200, maybe even less. Maybe they, yeah. they make you start paying for it to yeah. get exposure. And that's what happens with every single thing as the platform gets harder, the eyeballs get more scarce, that it gets harder and harder. So if you have an email list, at least you semi control that distribution. Yeah. I also feel like 70% of people who go through like stories don't actually read. They just skip. skip. <laughs> yeah, it's very light. Yeah. It's like, I don't even remember. I've watched like 20 stories today. I don't yeah. remember what they but were. But when you're <laughs> sitting in front of your desk checking an email, like you're kind of in the reading mode. Yeah. So you're actually going through and reading. So I, I, there's something to that probably. I, I will I will say this though. In the, in, in the Previously, I used to think like email was the one number one most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I still think it is. I make all my sales mainly through email. However... Social media has risen from like a joke. Like when I was 16, social media was a joke. It was true. like Zanga or MySpace yeah. or something. Like it was like a joke. It was like you make fun of someone like, for having yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, what are you like, little girl putting your <laughs> breakfast online? Now it's like the, the presidents use Twitter. Like they announce earthquakes yeah. or, or major catastrophes yeah. on Twitter. The news is broken on Twitter. And before it used to be a joke. Now it's serious. So it's like, I don't discount any of those things. So even people saying, oh, TikTok's just dumb kids dancing. That's what everyone was saying five years mm-hmm. ago. Now you're like, oh shit, this is like a real yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Instagram, same thing. It's like, oh, some stupid girls posting pictures or whatever. <laughs> and so now it's like, this is how companies are built. And so those things change. And I think social media can be super. I also think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that like, I don't, if I hadn't grown my social media, I don't even know if I would be sitting here talking to you. Like, I mean, I've been reading your content for like eight years, but eight years ago, if I just reached out to you, you'd probably just ignore me. Yeah. Social media gets this connotation of like being bad or bad for you and all that kind of stuff. Like I would, people always make fun of Facebook. Oh, but it's just like, I remember when Hurricane Harvey or whatever happened, like Houston, but my family was in Houston, everyone communicated by Facebook. Mm -hmm. That's because it was, it was always on. It was always there. And everyone, your grandma knows how to use it. So it was always there. And it's like, well, there's a lot of good things about social media. Um, We wouldn't have communicated. A lot of my friends will throw, will, will like send invites over social media, that type of thing. That's how I meet most of my friends. Yeah, yeah, social yeah. media or blogs email lists stuff like that yeah. so it's like there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of it yeah, yeah. yeah it just depends on how you use it i've yeah i've been i've met so many people because i was one of those people like ah, i because i built my entire agency without any social media just through word of mouth you know what it reminds me of like like in the dating world people are always like oh i'm not going to use the apps i'm like okay so you're relegating yourself to people who you'll meet within 10 feet of your physical space yeah that you're just you're eliminating your everyone yeah. that you're not going to be within 10 feet of yeah. is what you're telling me yeah. if you're not going to get on dating apps so it's like oh well i don't like the experience it's like yeah but if you were to put effort into it you could potentially meet the person you you're with forever so you're in a relationship. Yes. I, I would say, what do you think of this? Like the, the whole, it's almost like the choice overload now actually hurts relationship because everybody's thinking in the back of their mind, uh, is there someone better out there? 
like because of Tinder and things like yeah. that. Once again, I'd say instead of like having a hard opinion on it, have a spectrum of opinion on it. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say you're in the 1800s, you're a woman, you have no income and you're with a guy who hits you all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that a bad relationship? It's <laughs> pretty good. And he doesn't provide and he hits your kids. Well, that would, I'd say that's a bad relationship yeah. and having options for that woman would be very yeah. good yeah. to improve her life vastly. And that guy will get weeded out because yeah. no one wants to be this crappy guy yeah. because there's other better guys out there. I would say that's a vast, uh, vast improvement for that person, right? And so then like people say that there's more options. That is one downside of the technology at the time. Sure, there are more options, but would anyone go back to the world without more options? Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, people keep using them. Why? Because there are more options. That's true. And now it's on us to make sure that we, once we find that one. So yeah, I love, I love the way you, because I have a very, um, I'm a, I, my background is actually coding, mm-hmm. programming. So I have a very black and white personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love like the, you're, like, you know, I love how you take everything and kind of you see all good and bad sides, everything about it. Yeah, it's called like, I think there's a term called spectrum thinking. And the number one person I saw do it was Peter Thiel. We had dinner with him one time. We, we paid to have dinner with him. Oh. Yeah, we had, the, the, there's like, if you donate enough to this political candidate, they would do it. And like, because of the state rules, we basically had dinner with Peter Thiel for really oh, cheap. Awesome. I know we were just like, this is a no brainer. I don't care who the candidate is really. But uh, we, we, we donated, we got to have dinner with him. And he answered every question like that. And I was, you know what a lot of people think of, Peter Thiel is like this, like ultra right wing Republican or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, this might be the most open minded person I've ever seen because he didn't say we just we didn't say like, uh, is China a threat to the United States? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't just say like, yes, they're a threat to the United States. We need to like eliminate them, whatever. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say something like that. He'd be like, well, let's take a look at it from different sides. Mm-hmm. The good is this China's great trading partner, blah, blah, blah. The bad is this. They're becoming more powerful than us. The middle ground is like, well, maybe we should be nicer because we're co-beneficial. Mm-hmm. I remember him thinking of it, like not making up his mind, but saying like, what's the good, what's the bad, what's the middle. And like, there's a spectrum yeah, of ranges. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing that spectrum percentages, like it's good, it's bad, whatever. Those can always change. With updated information, his percentages change. Yeah. I remember thinking like, that is the coolest way of thinking I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I try as much to think like, someone's like, is this guy a scammer? I'm like, well, I'm not gonna say he's a scammer. Uh, I'll say he's 20% scammer. Uh, but then I'd say 80% for this demographic could be uh, good. Maybe for this demographic, yeah, I'll scam. You know what I'm struggling with is, um, so I agree, everything has nuances, right? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things that I do if an outsider just come, let's say a consultant just comes in and be like, mm-hmm. oh no, you gotta do the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you have no idea what, <laughs> like all the inner workings of what we are doing here, right? Like, you need to know the nuances. But when I make content, you know how social media has no room for nuance, <laughs> like yeah. especially like Instagram or Twitter. So I have to make it like, oh, I have to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And then people start commenting. <laughs> like for example, <laughs> I posted today that, you know how beautiful your grid is doesn't matter like look at gary v's grid right uh-huh. like that's, and then people start commenting like yeah but that's gary v like he doesn't need a, but you know like so like it almost creates like this whole discussion in the comments and i don't want to get into it because it's, i know it's people are going to say the same thing. I, I would say the, the the way progress happens is like by ideas colliding so you say like the grid is not important at all and then people say well look at this person's uh, grid and look at kim k's grid uh, it's really beautiful and so then you start to hash out those ideas i don't mind like conflict in that sense just like verbal conflict is not yeah, a big true. deal but, but I, the I do, thing is i agree with them yes but so, what, what what i guess what bothers me is they comment as if 
I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. <laughs> like, oh, look at this dumbass who thinks that. You know what I mean? And then I, and then I get like bunch of comments like that. And well, I think I, the I way just, I think the way to add nuance to those things is like great comment doesn't matter all the time. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, 90% of people, 90% of people that's I true. follow don't have a beautiful grid. Yeah. 10% of people do. Maybe that's a thing, uh, right? And then maybe if you're in the beauty industry or health industry, uh, maybe a beautiful grid uh, like matters because aesthetically that's what uh, you're known for. But for but most those people, doesn't perform as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. I mean, I put out shorts and like, I remember I was doing shorts with my buddy. We we're recording and we we're talking about books and stuff. Uh, and he was like, what are your top three books? And I was like, you know, it really depends. Like my top three book for life versus work. And and you're just like, well, that's not a good clip. So then I like hold up a book. I'm like, this is the best book I've ever read in my entire life. It changed my life. And that one like does totally well. Yeah. But I think there is some truth. Like when you are pressed to say, what is your favorite book? I always, I don't like to think of it like favorites, mm-hmm. but then I was just like, what is the book I read the most and I've spent the most money on and have rebought for other people? And then I start thinking about it. I'm like, I do have a book. And it was like, like one of these books over here, this is Earl Nightingale by Earl Nightingale. And I remember thinking like, I pick up that book almost, let's say 20% of the time in the mornings and just read it. So that might be my favorite book. Got it, got but, it. Like, what book is in my hand most of my life? Also, you also have to think about if all your audience is copywriter, you probably, cause like there was one blog post I saw you, you put in and you get so many people asking me like, well, what book should I read for copywriting? And you just literally step by step, okay, go to, get, to, go to the boring letters, yeah. download it, print it out. And like you, you but here's, here's, the, here's the reason, I didn't have that answer originally, but after mm-hmm. training so many copywriters, I would say here's 10 books, but then like, if I get uh, 10 books, uh, are you really gonna read them all? Uh, no. Uh, so I think, okay, these mofos are gonna read like three <laughs> of them at most, if not one. And the, and the number one they're gonna uh, download is the free one. And also, and, and it happens to be free, but I did read the Boron letters myself and that did mm-hmm. alter the course of my career. And so that's why I think, well, I don't know that it's the best one out there for everyone, but it will get you thinking in a new way. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you do listen to Jay Abraham's book and then Joe Sugarman book. And so I recommended those three and all the rest, like scientific advertising, all these classic copywriting books. I'm like, I read those like once and honestly, I'm a little bored. Mm-hmm. You know, it was written in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Like, I think like the, the, the examples are a little outdated mm-hmm. and he's talking about newspaper printing. And I was just like, I, I think there's like other stuff in here that's like better now. So I, I don't recommend those. And so I just said like, there's three books you need to read, that's it. And, also, and then what happens is people will read those books and then be curious to read more themselves. So yeah, sometimes being definite and giving like, this is the answer. I also helps. think it gives you so much credibility because if I don't know you and you said do that and I download the Born Letters and I start reading it, I'm like, whoa, like this is, this is like I can use this today, right? Yeah, you watch one story yeah. and your life changed. Yeah, then yeah. I'm like, wait, what else does this guy know that <laughs> that I can? You know what I mean? Like it, it builds that, it builds that credibility right away. Like I'm, I did this, I did this one post about like nine reasons people buy, and it's like to make them look better uh, because it's a cheaper price. But all these like different reasons, like the main nine reasons people buy, and it didn't perform really well. And I thought it would, and I remember the reason why is it's like. It's hard to remember nine things mm-hmm. and then apply it. Instead, if I just talked about like the one reason people buy things because other people buy. So make sure to have reviews on your page right now. Go to your site, see how many reviews you have. Uh-huh. Do you have at least over 30 reviews? And then you go, oh, I need to go get that. That actually reviews. is such a underrated, like testimonials, reviews. Yeah. Like, because I, I don't know if you, you probably heard this story, but like in California, they did this um, thing where they were trying to get people to like save water or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
and they tried all different messaging they're like okay you know this is going to help you save money in this and all like four or five different messaging and none of them worked and the one that worked was they said 78 percent of your neighbors are doing it uh, and then everybody yeah. like started <laughs> so i think they i think they did that in spain with taxes i remember hearing like a planet money podcast mm-hmm. about it this is like your neighbors paid your taxes why haven't you and like that that uh, messaging, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah but see th- the point is like whenever i just gave a big list versus like here's one thing to do now that the one thing to do now works do better it. yeah because yeah. like I, one i can't even remember the night i can't even remember what i talked about uh, yeah, yeah. how am i going to remember that yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right let me let me see what else i got here it's fun, man. Yeah. I've been wanting to like pick your brain, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think made you a great copywriter? I was writing, I had a curiosity for writing and reading very early on. I read a tremendous amount of books when I was in elementary, middle school, and high school. So I think I just consumed a lot. I read in the bus, I read all the time. I would stay after school and go to the library at a thing where I would blindfold, not blindfold, but just put my hand over my face and pick out a book, just go pick out a book, and I would have to sit there and read it. And I learned to speed read. And I also gave myself permission to skip pages. Like if a page is boring, mm-hmm. man, whatever. Just not skip it, but like speed read it really fast, low comprehension. And so I would sit there and read books in the stacks. It was just like pulling in a ton of information. I was kind of lucky that the internet started budding around the time I was in high school in that 1995, 2000, that era. And so I started writing online early on and getting some attention for that. So I think like early on, I got some reward of like people were like reading my stuff. Uh, and I was like, whoa, this is, this is like a new thing. Uh, it's like the early social media forum, right? Like a blog. And so like people commenting and stuff like that. So I, I got addicted to it early on. And I also enjoyed doing it. So like when people ask me like, why, what would you do if you just, uh, if you had a trillion dollars and have to work again? I'm like, I'd probably just like play around on the internet and write about it. <laughs> like, that's such that's a- probably what I would do. Cause most copywriters don't write in their free time. I, I, I was writing, so the thing is, right, making money online in the year 2000 was not really a thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a common, I don't know. I didn't know about it at least. It so was I wrote, more for hobby. I wrote yeah. a blog for 10 years without making money on it. Mm-hmm. I was making money in other ways, like through businesses and stuff, yeah. but the blog didn't specifically uh, make me any money. And so I did it as a hobby. I was genuinely interested in doing it. I wasn't trying to get something out of it. I genuinely liked the act of documenting things. It's also interesting how you said you, started, you got addicted to it early on. Because what I noticed is when I look at like some of the YouTubers, mm-hmm. big YouTubers, like a lot of them, their first videos did well. Like if you look at Mr. Beast and yeah. Mr. Like his first video did well. And then for years, yeah. it didn't do well. And like if you look at like Marcus Brownlee, like his first video did well and it didn't do well for a while. But I think the reason why they were able to stick it out for those two, three years is because they've experienced this this, this win. Yeah. Well, you know, TikTok does that. You know, you, someone signs up for a TikTok account. Like, I got 7,000 views on my first video. And the next one, they get 20. And you're like, because TikTok's juicing you. And they, but right? they keep posting. Because, yeah. Because, because then you get that initial yeah. burst of like, holy shit, I'm really yeah. good at this. And then they keep posting forever. Yeah. Because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of my uh, members want to grow like Instagram and stuff like that. And the number one thing is they, they give up after like three months or something like that. And it's because I think they've never experienced that thing that high right that high so, yeah. yeah that's true so they could be i mean also it's like do you what are they trying to go for i think like once again work backwards what are you trying to get out of this 
right? And so I think for the people that were trying to satisfy their curiosity or satisfy their own itch or just had this compulsion to do it, those are the people that are gonna keep it up. Whereas if you're just trying to do it because you saw sons making a billion dollars a year, uh, you know, making an agency on Instagram and mm. you wanna do the same thing, yeah. like are you, are you just being a copycat? Yeah, exactly. Because that's, that's gonna be um, hard. I'm not saying it's not possible, it's just going to be harder versus the person that just is compulsive yeah. does it. So you, like you, you actually have to love writing. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved writing. I started using Twitter just maybe, I mean, I had a Twitter for a while, but I started really using it maybe like two years ago. Um, and it, it, I was just like, this reminds me of the early days of blogging, like connecting mm -hmm. to people. Cause blogging became like this, like SEO game after a while. What do you used to blog about? I used to blog about financial stuff. So I remember when I like learned about credit cards and stuff, I was writing, uh, so I had Neville's okay. financial blog, neveblog.com okay. was my original blog. You can actually go there and look at my archives and see that like okay. at age 26, I had, or, or whatever the age was, I had like $26,242.20. I put my net worth and everything on it. Uh, yeah, oh, like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the first financial blogs uh, that, that didn't obfuscate who I was. Like, I was like, I'm Neville. And then when the number got large enough, I stopped doing it because mm -hmm. yeah, it, you don't want too much, too many prying eyes. <laughs> <laughs> too much private. Yeah. What do you, so you know how like storytelling is really kind of hot right now? Like mm -hmm. everybody's talking about storytelling. How do you think storytelling kind of uh, applies to copywriting and Covering is storytelling. I mean, the way you transfer information from one brain to another is you package it up into a story that's decipherable by the other person, right? So if I am a VHS player trying to transfer information for, to another VHS player, I use a VHS tape. I magnetically put, you know, images mm -hmm. on a tape and I send it into the mouth of the other VHS player and it decodes it. Similarly, the way that your brain and my brain work are very similar. The mm -hmm. structures of our brains are just a bunch of electricity flowing through each other. And the way that I strengthen a certain area to remember a story is by telling something very poignant to you. So that's a long way of saying, uh, you use the technology of the time to communicate a story so that the other person can remember it. So if I wanna remind you to drink water, okay? I'm like, drinking water is really good for you, son. Uh, that's not a very convincing case. So instead, I try to make a story. So I would use the formula of ADA, attention, interest, desire, action. This formula is repeatable and, and usable throughout history for almost everything, your work, your personal. So I would say, I'd try to get your attention first. So I'd look at you, I'm looking at you right here. I'm like, um, do you ever, do you ever, do you work out at all? <laughs> not really? Yeah, you don't, you don't look that strong. <laughs> Um, is, is that something that like, do you try to work out? Like try to get a little yeah, bit bigger? Yeah. Like you have tattoos, it'd be cool if like yeah. your arms were like big, right? I mean, I try. You, you try. <laughs> so, so let me tell you this. So if I could tell you, there's like a, a quick thing you could do, no supplement, no nothing, that'll get you 30% more results. So whenever you go to the gym, you get 30% more results just by doing this. That'd be kind of cool, right? Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is, whenever you go to the gym, the, what's building your muscle is when you tear your muscles, it repairs itself, just tiny tears. That's what soreness is. Your muscles tear a little bit and then they repair. The way they do that, blah, 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 science, amino acids. But the number one thing that makes amino acids catalyze into what they need to be is water. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing, because I've talked to you this whole time that you drink yeah. like not even two sips yeah. of that water, <laughs> that tiny little water bottle. I've gone through this <laughs> and half of this already. And I'm more jacked than you, right? So I've already, I've already got your interest here. I'm relating it to you. And the reason is you don't drink enough water. So yeah, there you go. You're, it's already working. So I'm using the intersection of ADA right now on you. And the reason is you're not getting enough amino acid chains right after your workout to repair. But if you're very hydrated, mm -hmm. you will get bigger. So the next time you work out, take a liter bottle, something like this, and make sure to drink the whole thing 
before you work out, not after, before you work out. And that way your body will be hydrated enough that whenever you're, it's repairing all those muscles, it has all the materials, it has all the bricks needed to build, rebuild. So my thing is before you work out next time, any workout, walk, run, weights, drink a liter of water. Can you do that? Yes. Okay. So I just use the Ada formula on you to convince you. Um, I love I, you how you made it specific, like drink a liter of water, like not just drink more water. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. one liter. So you have like a specific thing, like I know to drink this bottle. Now here's the thing. I don't know if that's bullshit or not. <laughs> I kind of made it up. But, but, the, but the point is, I'm telling you a story with specific things. I think it's actually like semi-true. Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. kind of making that example up. But the point is, if I were to just say like, you need to drink more water, that, that, that didn't make your brain interested. But what I made is like, I'm bigger than yeah, you. I know what I'm talking yeah. about. Look how much water we have the proof here on the table, the proof you barely drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was using that to, to do it to you. So that's how you tell a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you work with a client, like you have to know all of that yeah. kind of, right? Like you, you have to know those stories or those things. So is that kind of what you're getting out of them? Like, yeah, a lot of times, like people will say, uh, there's this lady that has like this education business. Mm -hmm. She helps students like make better grades. And she would go really into the technical details of all these different grades. And she just never said any like examples. And mm -hmm. it was just like, what are some uh, testimonials? And she showed me these videos that she was like, oh, when, when I joined her class, we all of a sudden, like I went from making C's to A's. And the funny thing was, I literally didn't know how to study. I like I thought I thought you sit down and look at a book, mm -hmm. but she taught me how to make a study plan. And it would say like, I'm gonna take 30 minutes and it's 30 minutes, I'm gonna do this, this, this. And from that alone, I just remember thinking like, oh, I know where to start, like I know what to do. And so I used to sit down and like dread studying. Now I sit down, I'm like, make my study plan, knock it out, and in 30 minutes I'm done. Mm -hmm. And and I was just like, oh, I never, I never even thought of a study. Yeah, yeah. I never even knew what that was. Yeah. And so then when, when I heard that testimony, I'm like, how come you don't tell people about the study? Like that experience yeah. that someone had. Like I learned more from that kid's story, just watching that testimonial, than I did like your whole sales page. Mm. And so we just, I say, that's where I learned the most. Put that on the sales page, done. Mm. That's, that's, all I, that's all I do for companies. That's probably, it's like what you said, like when you're too close to the problem, they don't see the things what the thing that other people are. she was trying to name it yeah. and, and and make it sound like oh instead of educational i'm like an educational functioning enabler yeah. but i'm like what the hell is that yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah just <laughs> tell the story that kid told <laughs> steal the words out of his that. mouth yeah i i actually forced myself to do that by so you know when i was in uh before i started my business mm -hmm. like in, if i'm in a meeting and my boss at the end of the meeting will be like any questions like i would never ask a question like even if I have a question or something mm -hmm. like that. And then like sometimes like somebody else will ask the same question that I had. I'm like, oh, like and then everybody will be like, oh, I had the same question. Right. Yeah. But like I noticed that nobody asks questions. So when I started my company and I would have meetings with people, I would explain, okay, so this is why we have to do this. Any questions? And again, nobody would say hello. Yeah. But then I noticed that people didn't ask questions. So what I did was every time I explained something, I would say, for example. Mm -hmm. And then I would give them an example of that. And then they'll go like, oh, okay, I got it now. <laughs> so like, and that became a habit. So Con now, I mean, concrete examples are better than abstractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But like, like if, I, if, I, if I just say like drinking water is good for working out versus like I drink this one liter of this and then I'm like really jacked yeah, or yeah, show yeah. some guy with muscles. You're yeah. like, 
I like I, I get it. Like my uh, brain yeah, has, yeah. has a real example. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Always give examples, like concrete examples. It's so much easier to explain than you know generic advice. I mean, do you have time? You want to keep yeah, yeah, going? Yeah. Okay. Um, are you always in the copywriting zone, or do you have to get yourself there? No, nah, I have to get yourself there sometimes, and it, it happens. It happens kind of randomly. I'm not like a regimented person. I don't like like writing at the same time every day. I'm sure people have their own process. Um, I find that I just take a lot of notes on things. I take a lot of screenshots on my phone, and I, I browse the screenshot tab. I keep a thing called SwipeFile.com. Mm, this SwipeFile.com yeah. it has like all my stuff that I like over there. So whenever someone's like, "What's a good before and after picture I could use?" I have a section called before and after. I could look it up. It. So I keep a lot of notes, and then when it's time to write something, I would prefer if i'm like in a good mood if i'm trying to mm -hmm. make something exciting or funny if i'm if my brain is feeling sparkly and funny mm -hmm. like i just drink a bunch of caffeine and i'm like whoa yeah uh, then that's the best time if you're trying to write something really like moody and dark or something like that then maybe the times that you're moody and dark are best yeah how important is that kind of personality in the writing it depends what you're trying to do. If you're just trying to sell a t-shirt, I don't think it matters okay. at all. <laughs> yeah, but if you're trying to sell a copywriting course and you're trying to make people admire you for how well your articles are written, then maybe it's more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the, the goal is ultimately to be clear. If I'm trying to write a fiction book mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be a funny fiction book, I would like to mm -hmm. only write when I'm like feeling funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. One great tip I got was, uh, do you know Laura Belgrade? Yeah. yeah. So Talking she, shrimp? Yeah. Yeah. So like I was in her mastermind group and she, she was... She she talks about this email from a bestie. Uh -huh. So what? She, she, like this really helped me. Like I'll open Gmail, compose, uh -huh. and I'll actually like write an email to my friend, and then I'll copy that email, paste it into ConvertKit. Nice. And then like it actually the the whole style of writing is actually totally different. Oh, because you're opening up in Gmail as if like a friend yeah. versus ConvertKit. You're like, oh, I could put a table here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's that's smart. That's a good one. So that nice, really helped. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I think that's why Twitter also is kind of fun. It feels like a text message to me. Yeah, it's exactly. Like a text. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so much more casual. Yeah. What are some things that like daily practice that people can do if they want to improve their pop copywriting? I think mental ad rewriting is probably the number one thing. So if you go past a billboard, and you see a, a sign for McDonald's and it just has a big picture of a burger on it. You go, mm, okay, whatever. Uh, but you think, what if it said burgers exit 59? one dollar whatever two dollars um you're like, uh, you're so like you try oh, to rewrite the ad for yeah. two bucks yeah so you mentally rewrite the ad and i started doing this back in the day remember uh, like the place i would read all the time was like back in the day they don't have these anymore skyball magazine do you remember that it's just like this magazine <laughs> put in every freaking plane ever and it was like like weird stuff like a, like a dog bowl that's also a bird feeder or whatever it's like <laughs> odd stuff that they would have or like harry potter wands and i would think like this is a bad description of something mm -hmm. i'm like what if they showed like how different ways you could use this mm -hmm. or why it's so worth the money to buy this versus something else so i would mentally rewrite sky mall ads that's where it started mm -hmm. actually <laughs> and so i do that all the time i see like a billboard i share them sometimes on my twitter like bad billboards so there's this one by this gas station i go to all the time and it had this picture of a lady on it i never understood what it is mm -hmm. and then one day i was just staring up at it because i was at the gas station the billboards right there and it said like austin veterinary hospital i was like what what is it I, even, I didn't even like i didn't even know that this is like for dogs like there's a picture of like a little girl or something like it. and it just said in really small letters so i was like this is the stupidest billboard i've ever seen 
Why don't you just say like Austin Veterinary Hospital, three blocks away from here, yeah. and like a picture of a dog with a stethoscope on him or something like that, something catching. It's like you don't have to be too clever. And so I think like that person just wasted $2,000. You know what I think that, that why that happens? You know, like when, so first of all, when I think of copyright, now it's totally different, but like 10 years ago, if you talk, talk to me about copywriting, I'm thinking like, just do it. Or like, you know, like think different. Yeah. Like those, the ad copies, right? And I think a lot of people in the advertising agencies think that the way they provide value is by doing something different and original and clever. And then, but then like this cop type of copywriting is more, you have to be more direct and you have to be more... I, I've solved this problem a long time ago for a lot okay. of clients because they all thought that think different, uh, uh, think, think different, <laughs> Ford tough, that kind of stuff, like, right? Um, Nike just do it. They always cite those. And I'm like, what are the similarities between these companies? They're all worth $100 billion. Mm -hmm. You are one guy that makes $10,000 <laughs> in revenue. So Nike is not your target. Like, like you're not like Nike. Everyone in the world goes to Nike. You go to a different country. They know who Apple, they know what Apple is. They know Nike, they know Gatorade, exactly. they know Coca-Cola. So yes, they are in brand awareness mode. When you are small, so when, when Nike was a tiny little shoe company, when they had like the little waffle shoe, that was the mm -hmm. first thing they came out with, their slogan was not just do it. No. Their slogan was like, we make better shoes because <laughs> it has a waffle shape, so there's more resistance on the ground. It was very descriptive of what they were doing. So when you were oh. small, so I have a chart of this somewhere on copywritingcourse.com. Um, when you're small, you go descriptive. And the bigger you are and the more well-known you are, then you start changing your thing to be more brand aware, right? That's the goal. The brand, yeah, those are more brand copywriting versus. So let's say let's say like Ogilvy and Adver advertising. Ogilvy was a big agency. When was, yeah. when when you're really small, you just be like, I write copy for cigarette companies, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? You're very, it's like very specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then as you get a little bigger, in, you know, the million dollar range, you say like, we optimize campaigns for large companies. Mm -hmm. And then when you're like giant Ogilvy, you say looking to the future, yeah, some bullshit yeah, like that, right? Yeah, this is a vague, this is like a vague thing yeah, yeah, and, yeah. because everyone already knows you and you want to like do an, an aspirational thing. That's true. But I think some people, they, they confuse Nike and them as the same thing. Like for me to compare myself to Oprah, for me to consider myself to Elon Musk, is stupid yeah. because we are not the same thing. Yeah, they are yeah, bigger. Yeah. They are more expensive. But even They're then, better. what I, because I have clients that are like in the millions of followers range, mm -hmm. and they always come to me and be like, "Oh, like what's my what's going to be my slogan?" What's <laughs> like they ask me for that. I'm like, "What's Oprah's slogan?" <laughs> What's what? Do you know what Tony Robbins slogan is? Like, That's a great. I don't point. have a slogan either. I'm trying to think. I'm like, there isn't a. She's just Oprah. <laughs> exactly. Oprah. That's the slogan. <laughs> so I, I just, yeah, I, I feel like I kind of have to remind them. Okay, don't worry about the slogan. Don't worry about that. Also, one. no one buys based on your slogan. Just do it. I'm gonna buy Nikes. Like, no, no, no all that other shit. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the advertising and you see it for 20 years. That's what makes you buy a Nike. Not. I also think if you look at personal brands, especially like like Terry V or something like that. Everyone looks them differently. Like, like one person might look at Tony mm. Robbins as like, oh, he's this motivational speaker, guru mm. guy. But somebody else might look him at, look him to as, as like a business, you know, money <laughs> mindset guy. Like, it's a great point. Yeah. So here's here's the best slogan I've ever seen for a tens of billions of dollars company. Because I remember doing a post on this, and so many people asked me about it. Geico, save fifteen percent or more in your car insurance. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> This mofo, Warren Buffett, is selling in his slogan. He's selling in That's the so slogan. Awesome. He's telling you the value proposition of what to do. You can maybe save 15% or more 
for and everyone remembers it too <laughs> yeah so when it comes time like i don't need new car insurance now because i'm already taken care of but like let's say i don't know whatever i need new car insurance i think well Gosh. geico save 15 percent. let me just check them out right? i'm gonna bam i'm gonna use that <laughs> they are they are the best that's the best slogan of any big company i've seen i'm definitely gonna use that next time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i think you talked about this already i just have two more like copywriting relates to like public speaking like you know would you say it's all part of the same thing or is it yeah communicating information yeah. from my brain to your brain yeah or a million yeah. brain i love how yeah. you bring everything down to that like <laughs> well because it's not because like copyright you have to once again copyright it's like space and time they are they're related you cannot do one without the other copywriting is based on the technology of the day the technology of the day is not only writing mm -hmm. it, it is it is videos it is doing this mm -hmm. this is different so it, it's communication is what yeah, i focus yeah. on and whatever the new thing is at the time i'll use it as well yeah what do you think of uh so you, you obviously know chat gpt of course yeah so how do you think that will affect copywriting i think it'll make a bunch of bullshit copywriting more prevalent and okay. so people with unique points of view and really good points of view are going to be even more powerful Got it. yeah you think it's going to separate that though well there's there's back in the day people were like well you could templatize copy right you could uh -huh. you write a php script to make like bullshit like blog <laughs> posts and stuff like that but people don't want that they want uh -huh. good stuff so it's funny people are like you can write a 30 page blog post in two seconds with gpt three i'm like when have you read a 30 page blog post When's the last time you've done that? People don't want that's that. True. People want a tweet that's like 10 that's words long. True. So it's actually like distilling information is the name of the game at the moment. So ChatGPT is one of the greatest idea generation things I've ever used. So for example, if someone's like, I'm consulting for someone, they're like, uh, what, what, we just want a couple different subject line options. I'm like, mm -hmm. just do this for me. Okay. And we take a couple of them, we take some elements of this and this mm -hmm. and, and put it together. So it's like having a eager but dumb sidekick yeah. at the moment. Or you can even ask the like, how does water help you build muscles or something like that? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like it's like almost like Google was back in the day. And I remember yeah. when Google came into existence, people uh -uh. were like, it's gonna change everything. You just figure <laughs> stuff out. Because back in the day, if you didn't know something, you just didn't know uh, it, right? And then search uh, engines came around uh, and it's a seismic shift. And now we're all, of course, uh, used to that. And similarly, it's gonna be the same thing. Like the part of your job that's drudgery that you don't like doing, it could do. Yeah. And the part of your job you really like doing, it could do. Or it, it, it could it could help you with. Yeah. Yeah. So many people come to us and ask us like, oh, do you know a good copywriter and stuff like that? And most of the copywriters that I refer, like a lot of them come back and, you know, they all come up with the mediocre, like uh, Baptiste Yoga is, you know, <laughs> focuses on like strength. Blah, 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 SEO yeah. content, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like the copy that ChatGPT writes right now when I ask ChatGPT yes. to write. Write me five pages yeah. about yoga in Austin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll do it. And finding that talented copywriter, kind of like copywriters, I mean, not even at your level, probably like, but just with talent is so rare. Like, how do you find, <laughs> like any recommendation for those? <laughs> the amount of people that have asked me, like, can you just recommend me a, a good copywriter? I'm like, the good copywriters eventually just generally start businesses themselves. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> there are some like good contract copywriters, but oftentimes what happens is someone who's so good gets involved with a company and they're like, hey, let's just make you part of the team or run uh, mm -hmm. the division for copyright, or whatever. Like that's usually what happens. Uh, so it's hard to find. There's like uh, these revolving doors of active copywriters uh, that are in that stage before they've got like acquired or whatever. Um, so you can find people to, because remember when people are saying, I want a copywriter, let me work backwards from that. A lot of people, they don't know what they want. They mm -hmm. say, I want a copywriter. 
tell me what you really want. And what they often want to say is, I, I sell these doodads and I want them to be at the top of mm-hmm. search results. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay. Uh, okay. So, so what you're asking is you want someone to make a team of, or a team or one person that makes content that ranks at the top of Google. Just remember, that's what you want. Are you looking for a great copywriter? That's a very generic mm-hmm. term. So I always have to ask, like, what do you want this specifically for? What if they say like, uh, I want to increase conversion on this sales page. Well, well, sometimes do you need a copywriter for that? Or do you need someone like, like maybe me to just kind of like look over it real quick? Or can you ask 10 of your customers to just say like, where do you get confused? Got it, got like, it. What would you like to see on this got page? It. And so, so like you're looking for like a, an optimizer. Now we can get into different titles, uh, and like conversion rate optimizing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but generally the way I tell people to look for copywriters is you find someone currently doing the thing you want to do and offer them money. So for example, if you say, uh, what's the example some of you sell is selling boots or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And you want, you want to write a bunch of blog posts about boots. Mm-hmm. You type in like 10 best boots on Google. Look at the top 10 results mm-hmm. and look at the contributing article. And a lot of times it'll say like, Sun Yi wrote two Don't articles for this company. Out. And then you find their Twitter oh, or whatever and reach out and hi- hire them. Oh, that's so That's smart. how I help people <laughs> find the person that already knows what they're talking about. Because if you hire me to write about boots, I don't own a pair uh, of boots. Yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I'm stupid. Yeah. I don't know this But subject. you can kind of look at it and say, okay. You, you, well, I could, I could like figure out from other people's experiences, but man, if I was like a big guy who wears, oh, oh like I like a uh, home office lighting. I, yeah, I love yeah, like yeah. setting up lighting. Like, so <laughs> if you tell, tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly, if you look at this place and like how it comes out on camera, and then of course on camera they can't see, but like my whole house is fit with like smart lighting. Yeah. And I love, I just like, I like doing it. If you ask me my thoughts on smart lighting and hire me to write about smart lighting, yeah. man, I can tell you all sorts uh, of shit. Yeah, yeah. I can go to town. I can yeah. give you personal examples. I can show you pictures from my home. I can show you where I made mistakes, mm-hmm. what buttons I use, all that kind of stuff, what settings. So, so it just like if you find someone interested in the subject, they're going to be able to run circles around someone like me when you talk about boots because I didn't know in a pair. That's of boots. true. So I That's could just true. like talk about. I could read other people's experiences and relate them. And for that kind of stuff. Use ChatGPT. You probably do the same. Yeah, thing I, I feel do. like a, if they don't have genuine interest in it, even if they spend time with that person or learn it, it's just not going to come out the same. Do you yeah. want to read about something from the person that's just obsessed with it? Like, yeah, you probably yeah, read about it from yeah, that exactly. person rather the person that's just like, oh, I was hired for five bucks to write that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like, you don't want that. One of the smartest things that I did was uh, I, I work with this uh, company called Baptist Yoga, mm-hmm. and they, they do these huge programs. And I went to one of their one week long program and I just like immersed myself into it and I just mm. fell in love with yoga. Mm. And then after that I was able to write for them like <laughs> nonstop because like I've actually experienced And come it. up with cool ideas and have hard opinions about things. Exactly, and like yeah. you could you could just go on. But things could, that insiders know that yeah. outsiders don't know. Like those kind of things. And you could, you could feel the excitement in someone's voice. Like even with yeah. lighting, I would notice I was That's like, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, tell yeah. you all. Like, I, I want to go into it right now. Like, I couldn't wait. I had to hold myself back. It's like, that's the person you want to hear from who has like all these opinions about it. Not someone who just like read yeah. other people's stuff and just regurgitated. It's, it's funny you say that because when I look at our, my videos too, it's rarely the ones that have the most valuable information that does well. It's the ones where I'm emotional yeah. are the ones that do the best. Yeah, so like you just yeah. get all riled up yeah. for whatever reason. <laughs> okay, last one. This guy asked, like, he 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 keeps attracting the wrong target audience. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you write for the right audience? Well, I, easiest way you get rid of them. You actively say 
I don't want people selling weird pills mm -mm, that mm -mm. claim they cure cancer. Mm -mm, so in my consulting phase, like I have that. <laughs> it's like, I can't help you sell pills. I'm sorry. I just, I, like, I'm not good at it. I can't do it. So that's one way. So elimination is one. And then going to where that actual target audience is. So a lot of times people think like, they're like, oh, you must be in all the copywriting forums and stuff. That's not where my customers are. My customers are business owners. That's true. Who are using copywriting as a tool to help their, their business. So am I supposed to go to copywriters clubs? No, those are all people who want to be copywriters. Those are, that is not my target audience. So are you accidentally in the wrong audience? That's true. Also, I feel like there's this thing where like a lot of wedding photographers try to make Instagrams yeah. or like targeting the brides, but no bride is following wedding photographer. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Here's, here's a good example. My friend Nomadic Matt runs mm -hmm. like one of the biggest travel blogs, uh -huh. is like a popular guy. And I was like, why did you have a travel blog that got so famous versus others? There's a million, there's like literally millions of them. How come you got famous and other people didn't? It's like one, I treat it like a business. Two, I don't go to travel conferences. He doesn't go to travel conferences to try to get writ uh, articles written and mm -hmm. gigs. He goes to like a business conference. And the thing is, he's the only travel guy there. Mm. So he's the only one that knows how to do credit card hacking and all that stuff. You go to a travel conference, everyone's like, yeah, I have 40 different credit cards. They know how to travel hack and how to do this, whatever. That's true. Everyone's the same person. Everyone's the same guy. Whereas he goes to different conferences and different industries and they're like, you travel for a living? That's so interesting. I've never met anyone like that's that. That's smart. He's the he's the unicorn there, whereas like you go to a travel conference, that's not his target audience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those are not the people buying his stuff. I'm just curious, what's kind of like your, do you have like a life mission, life goal, like a why? <laughs> yeah, I, I planned it a long time ago in high school. Um, I read a book called The Midlife, Male Midlife Crisis by Nancy Mayer, and I read a bunch of other books about lifespans and stuff like that. My average lifespan is gonna be under 85 years if current technology remains the same. My actual lifespan I calculated, probably 78, is the way statistically when I'll die. And so I planned that November 17, 2067 is the day I'm gonna die. And, it, and, and my plan was, at the, the, the thought was, if I don't die by then, I'll take my own life. So not like commit suicide in the standard sense, but like the, the, it's a thought experiment to say that at the end, at 85, I'm going to give away all my possessions to, if I make it that far, first of all, don't get hit by a bus. I give away all my possession to perhaps future kids, all that kind of stuff. And my life is officially over at that point and I can just take off. So I plan my life backwards. Um, so I don't know if this is like standard life <laughs> advice, but it's like, think about it. Every person before you has died, every living creature before you has died. And in Eastern cultures, this is a pretty standard thought to think that like you go through phases of life, you go through like you're born, you learn, you become a man, blah, 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 then you start deteriorating and then you die. Mm. This is a normal thing that happens to humans, people, mice, cockroaches, and galaxies, right? There are these different phases. And so I thought, well, why ignore that fact? Like people, a lot of people I tell this to are like, you picked up your date? Like, could you commit suicide? I'm like, no. I, I mean, I mean, I'm being realistic a, that I probably will die someday. Statistically, according to census bureaus, based on where I live, I live to about 78. Mm -hmm. And so, how do I want to spend my life? So that was a long way of asking. Like, now I have a framework to work off of. I'm going to die at 85. Now, how many 80 year olds do you know have climbed Mount Everest? Not a lot. You probably don't know many people that um, climb. I mean, I. My first guess would be zero, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd, it'd be very few. And if they are, they're like carrying them up or something like that. Like it's, it's a, you, you don't you don't see really old people climbing Mount Everest. So I thought, well, if I ever want to climb Mount Everest, 
I'm going to have to be within the age range of maybe up, up to like mm-hmm. 60s, you know, wh- where it's like still possible to accomplish this task. Most likely way younger. So there are phases of our life, assuming technology doesn't rapidly change and we're different somehow, that, that you can accomplish certain things. So I always thought like, I would like to get married someday and be in a relationship with one person and have children and have like a standard family. Mm-hmm. But before that, I'd also like to do all these other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna be able to do all those other things if I have a family and stuff tying me down. So I gotta do those now. And then when I do a family thing, I'm going to do the family thing. I don't wanna to have to be like, oh, I wish I did this before. I wanna do all that stuff now. And then I'll move into that phase of my life. And then at the end of my life, I'll decide whether I wanna die at that age or not. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought of life backwards that way and what do you want to accomplish? So if someone says, Neville, I want you to live in the middle of nowhere in a country you don't like um, and stay there for five years for a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say, well, look, man, I got 40 years left. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not willing to waste, you know, 15% of it yeah. on, on this dumb job. I could, I could probably work harder or accept less money to work somewhere else. And so that I've gives always, you such like a different perspective. Such clarity people, because people just assume their life goes on forever and that their body is going to be the same. Your body's going to change. Your body's going to deteriorate at some point. Mm-hmm. You have to think about that. And it, I, I don't know if it's a morbid thought because people haven't mm-hmm. thought about it, but it is true. And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, look at other people who had happy lives. What did they value? And man, I've read so many books from rich people <laughs> that ultimately all comes back to the same cliche advice, like hang out with your family a lot, spend some time with kids yeah. and puppies and blah, 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 stuff like that. So it's like, that's the kind of, that's the way I think about it and that I'm going to die at some point. And what it does for me in my mind, it makes things more valuable. Mm-hmm. It makes things more valuable. Are you religious? Or? Uh, not, I grew up with religion, mm-hmm. but my parents weren't like religious nuts or anything okay. like that. They were like, these are some stories and you okay. can believe them or not, that kind of thing. Yeah. But what I did think take away, I had a great religious experience when I grew up because religion to me meant hanging out with a bunch of my friends mm-hmm. and all the parents would bring cool food mm-hmm. and we I play football with my friends and that was our Sunday school. And so it was really fun. Oh, and maybe, awesome. maybe for an hour you learn about religion. <laughs> that was it. And so it always felt like the community was there and there was a sense of purpose to like all come together. There's like an excuse to get together. So I really liked that part and that made me happy. And I noticed people with that in their lives tend to be happier. So few people I feel like have that, especially like people that are like building their business and things like that, like that, that family, like, you know, that, well, what what are you building the business for? To, to exactly. like make a lot of money, yeah, to yeah, have yeah. a good family, to provide for your family, have a dope yeah. house for your family and your kids to yeah, live yeah, in, yeah. have a pool for them to jump around in. That's why you're doing it ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Remember, what's work backwards. What's the goal? Reverse is the goal, engineer everything. Yeah. <laughs> is the goal to just build businesses? Maybe like, like for me, I like writing and it's kind of a passion. It's almost like a compulsion of mine and therefore... But it I'm, doesn't define your life. Like it doesn't... Like, I, I mean, if, if I could somehow make money off of it, that's awesome. So you have to th- think of yourself, like what do you want for your life? And dude, I know so many people that make 50 grand a year. There's two parents and a couple of kids and they live a great goddamn yeah. life. And like, I don't know why people don't think that's good. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of been lost, I feel like, in the last few decades. It, it decades. just depends on what you really want. And some people are, are think, like you could think like, Maybe I could be bigger, and, and maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. But um, and and Is I that what cur- you want? I, I encourage people to maybe think of it like seventy percent contentment, thirty percent discontentment. Just like my seventy percent content, thirty <laughs> okay, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I would say more like, uh, I don't know why, but like, like 80% contentment, 20% discontent. Like there should always be the question in the back of your mind, should I be doing something else? Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't dominate your mind. Mm -hmm. It just depends. Like for example, when you're 20, you should be frustrated with your life because it sucks and you don't have money <laughs> and you should want to make a better life for yourself. And then when you're 60, maybe your priorities change. That's maybe you just want to see your kids enjoy their life and you read your newspaper in the morning. And that's great if that's what you want to do. Just remember, like you have this like finite amount of time with your life. And I would encourage you, if you're like me, to plan it backwards. What is the average age of your death? You know, go look it up and, and just think that like every person before me has died around this age. It'd be, it it'd be silly you, to yeah. think that you wouldn't. It gives you such like a perspective. <clears throat> perspective do, do you know jesse itzler yes like one time i heard him say something about like okay my my family my parents live whatever town away and i see them twice a year mm -hmm. so i'm probably gonna live how many more 20 more years or whatever it is mm -hmm. and twice a year blah, 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 i'm i'm gonna only be able to see them 40 more times yeah and so he he makes sure that every time he sees them he's like fully present and it's it kind of what, what you say kind of reminded me of that. i mean like because that. because in high school college time i developed a thing of dying at 85 it was originally 80 and i moved it to 85 but that's um, so gloom like yeah. at, <laughs> at that age is it is it think about it, I, it it's jarring at for what you're the, the word you're looking for is, is jarring to hear something uh -huh. i saw it in your face when i said uh -huh. november 17 2067 uh -huh. i plan to take my own life yeah um Remember, a lot of people get really weirded out by that statement. What it is, it is a mental framework that I think that at that time, my life is over. And so I'm going to try to plan it backwards. Okay, maybe it's a few years after. Maybe it's a few yeah, years yeah. before. We're talking semantics here, okay? There's not like a bomb but inside my body. But something about that date makes it like... That makes it concrete. <laughs> Remember I told you, drink one liter of water. The reason I have the date is because it's not vague. It's, it's my 85th birthday. I know exactly when it is. And so that's why it's important to make the date for me. I don't know about everyone, but like that, that makes it real for me. And then I could think back, what do I really want yeah. in my life? Yeah. And it makes it so much clearer yeah. when you have this idea versus yeah. like, you're yeah. just going to live forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, maybe, maybe. And even like when, when it's like, okay, it's, it's 2023 now. So I have the X number of years left. Like it's, it's I have a death <laughs> copywriting course.com slash death calculator. It'll show you down to the second, how much time I have to live. <laughs> I already made it. I made it years ago. Love it. So you have like a, do you have a bucket list? <laughs> I, I had, a, so I had a thing of like, um, because I started a business early on before it was like common, I was able to work remotely. And I remember after college, like I, I was in my party phase, you know, right? Like I loved to party. I was twenties. And after college, a lot of people had to like button down and get jobs. They always wish they could go back to college. Hmm. Well, I partied for like a year and a half more. So <laughs> by the end I was like, I think I'm done with this like college kind of partying phase. Like, I think I'm like, I'm, I'm a little over it. Like, I don't, I don't need it anymore. And so I naturally aged out of it just right. Like I was just done and I've never looked back and been like, I wish I was still there. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like I had like a bucket list to do that. It's just like, I wanted to do those things and explore it for as long as I can. And it's not like something that's like when you're 60 yeah, to go back yeah, and like yeah, that kind yeah. of party phase is like a yeah. little weird. And so I was I like, let me get it out of my system phases. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me enjoy each phase yeah. and exit the phase whenever I want yeah, to. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the way I thought about it. Otherwise, I feel like you're always going to regret. Like, oh, I should have partied more. I should have. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I thought like, you know, for my 30th birthday, a couple of my friends and my brother, we went to Cuba and had a great time and like mm -hmm. illegally went to Cuba and mm -hmm. partied over there. I remember thinking like, that's like a crazy thing to do. Uh, like, like illegally go to a country, you can get arrested. Like, you know, and it was just. So this was before the 
before they opened up. And yeah, this is before they opened yeah. up. But I remember thinking like, this is something I have an opportunity to do now. I, I, I've assessed the risk that actual chance of a, some, something really bad happening was low. Um, but like those types of things were like, not necessarily a bucket list. I really wanted to go to Cuba, but I was like, I want to do this crazy thing while I can. Because later, yeah. this is not going to be wise. Yeah, yeah. If you have children going to a you know, some communist country yeah. to go party, it's probably not a wise yeah. idea, right? <laughs> so that's the way I always thought about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so cool, much. Cool, man. <laughs> Appreciate so you awesome, doing this. Man. Yeah.